0: To the Mark Order Podcast join the Mark Order.
1: Hello, hello, we are here, Mark Order Podcast Wednesday night. Valentine's Day. You know what that means. Me, Agent Joe, Ryan in the house. Hope you're having a happy Valentine's Day. Hello to all of our good friends in the chat. Hi, friends in the chat. What's going on, fellas?
2: No one knowing. Happy Valentine's Day.
1: Happy Valentine's Day to you guys! Uh, how we doing? How are we feeling about love? How are we feeling about wrestling? How are we feeling about love and wrestling? Like the well, love and basketball I, movie?
2: As my right under my name says, I love love.
1: You do love love; it is true. And do you love sugary candy hearts behind you?
2: I don't actually love them, but they're very so you're associated with <laughs> Valentine's town. Day.
1: Imposter is what you are. You could put any hearts, and you chose candy hearts.
2: No, because you only eat those at Valentine's Day. <clears throat>
1: that's that's fair. That's fair. Joe, how you doing over there?
3: I'm doing okay. Um, you're the one who's you're the only one who's not really in the mood of like Valentine's Day. I don't see
2: any hearts or love, love.
1: I there's few things I love more than Old Yankee Stadium in my life.
2: Wait, Joe, where's your Valentine's Day thing?
1: I'm wearing I love my, animals, I'm... and this is a Be Kind to Animals sweatshirt.
2: Uh, no, his shirt's better. <laughs> I have a heart on for you, that's better.
1: <laughs> that's pretty great. Yeah, That's pretty great.
2: My
3: animal... What's going
1: on, fellas? How was your weeks? How we doing over here?
2: It was good. How was, You know, slow, steady. It's winning the race. How was your week going?
1: Uh, busy. Crazy bananas we are in our um our hiatus ant era for people wondering he is taking a breather getting some things going on as important and very serious as wrestling podcasting is he is taking (laughs) a leap of absence to tend to some bigger and better priorities so it'll be the three of us rocking for a while and i will be around when i can as much as i can but We've got a lot going on. I'm excited. He bought a yacht,
2: guys, and he's sailing the seven seas.
1: If I had a yacht, I would also say screw this podcast and probably screw most of my other wrestling podcasts. I would be out on my yacht. Maybe not so much in January, but... uh, That's when you go down south. Way down south. Are you mad? Are you mad that I came in here and stole singing songs back from you? Oh, yeah, right. Like, you stole that from me.
2: Nice try. You have, that. You have your wrap ready for later. So here. I have a question here. I actually was looking. No, no, there's th- I have I have there's an issue here that we need to address. They have four divisions now. That's too long for me to be trying to wrap.
1: That's what I did. That's what you Matt did who came before. You had you. three.
2: I've got a whole other division added.
1: Tag women's.
2: And men is all you. TBS. And TNT. No, tag women's men and TNT is all you had. I have tag women's men, TBS, TNT. Oh no, TNT. They all get and the trios. The trios got added. Was, I
1: think so. So one more, because we we had the women's ball too.
3: Just make it one big like usher halftime medley.
1: See, that's a good not, point. That's a good point. You the
2: medley, by the way unrelated i don't i'm not a huge fan
1: i feel like the real problem is you're not on rollerblades
2: just thinking of how i could do this do i have to say the champions
1: i mean you don't have to it's your rap it's your freestyle you're just it's your homework well, well, to get it done i guess it this is
2: this is where the problem is i've been trying to r&b this because it's valentine's day
1: Ill prepared.
2: I don't think you have to prepare. It's just preparing know, to I'll fail is
1: failure to prepare is preparing to fail, is what this is. Just feels like you are not ready. But, Joe, you did mention the Super Bowl. Did you guys do anything fun for the Super Bowl? I know Brian uh, is probably happy because <laughs> the Chiefs beat the Niners. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, it's it's a like Purdy. Yeah. What's wrong with Purdy? There ain't nothing wrong with Purdy. All Eagles fans
2: heard last year was that if Purdy had been healthy, the Eagles would never have made the Super Bowl. And that they would have beaten the Chiefs.
1: I mean, they did make the Super Bowl?
2: But they didn't beat the Chiefs. So, same thing.
1: It's half Did you do anything fun, Joe? Anything fun for the big game?
3: Just hung out at some friend's place and watched it. So,
1: You have friends that aren't us? Explain yourself.
3: They're more local.
1: Okay, that's a fair point. That's a fair um, point. When Ryan goes into Jaws mode, it freaks me out. I'm not going to lie, but he's just like, here's my eyes. A little weirdo.
2: Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to prepare for an eventual ra- ranking song.
1: Wow. Trying to do it now. Before oh, I did it earlier, starts. but I, I
2: have to add some stuff in.
1: Foolish. Foolish. Well... We've got a lot to talk for us today. We've got a loaded dynamite. The card is shaping up for revolution. We had rampage and collision. You guys covered that on the collider cast on Saturday, which I unfortunately couldn't join for, but overall I'm such a collider. Like the vibe on collision is so it's not just the stage. It's partially the stage. The stage is great, but, Either sing or don't sing. The whisper sing is just creepy at this point. I'm but... a
2: collider. I ain't going to give up. I ain't going to stop. I'm over
3: collider. Yes. Collision. You come from the stage, you stay for the wrestling. It's
1: much... he still gets it. And yeah. whoo. Artemis Ant because that thing is going to be brutal. But I love the vibe of Collision. It's so much fun. Uh, and Dynamite feels different. We're going to talk about some stuff tonight. Like I was not a fan of the end of the Christian and Garcia match and things like that. But. Um, I like that. They well, that would be weird
2: question. that you were not a fan at the end of that match because that match didn't happen.
1: Copeland Garcia. What did I say? You said Christian. Christian, whatever. Copeland Garcia. I have um, to pick it up. No, you don't. You could let one go, Ryan. No, but no,
2: because as soon as I say "home," you're gonna be like, "Oh, he said home."
1: Oh. Well, that's because you oh. say the right weird right word wrong.
2: <laughs> and you said the wrong <laughs> match.
1: And I said the wrong name, completely different, but okay. Um, we don't have collision this week too. So a quick programming note on that as well, that there is no collision this week. So no Saturday broadcast, but we are coming down the, the home stretch to revolution. And I think it's going to be great. And then we have some insane stuff happening beyond that. It seems like with Mercedes coming in and we're going to talk about things and news and notes, um, later but some some positive changes and signings in aew world feels like they've got some really good momentum they're like the only company right now that has a stable front office too which is just kind of funny so (laughs) but we'll get to all that later you wanna you wanna dive in fellas it's been a while since i've been here it feels like we're diving into the wrestling so early but Anything from Collision that you didn't talk about on ColliderCast that you want to recap or anything from Rampage this past week that, like, stuck out?
2: Oh, man, now you put me on the spot to remember wrestling matches, and that's just (laughs) not
1: how my brain works. I I just love Collision. Like, I don't don't even think there was anything that was that standout. It was just a clean episode where everything made sense. But the Luchador infusion has been really, really fun. Uh, Orange Cassidy versus Ishii I thought was a blast. Uh, I'm really excited that we got the match out of Cassidy that we did tonight, but I just, you know, the stage is really where it's at.
2: So, a couple of things. One, I really do a a goldfish brain when it comes to wrestling matches. Just as soon as they happen, they're gone. Two, uh, the CMLL story with the BCC has become awesome. And the fact that they didn't just use it as a one-off, I'm really happy for because that could have easily just been one match, or just a couple matches, but no story between them. Then we would have been like, "What are you doing?" But even if it's a couple week run to make it matter, has been so cool. And three, you know what the difference is? Collision stage goes bottom all the way up, and you have your center. Dynamite's like parcelled out. You have yeah. like two screens up, two screens low, and your center. So like when they do big graphics or Daniel Garcia dancing in the middle, it doesn't look the same.
1: No. And that's what anything with vivid color really jumps off that screen for that reason. Cause it's so continuous and that's the most important part of collision. But Joe, was there anything on collision that you felt like stood out? This, it felt like, I don't want to say a more down week cause I still really liked everything that happened. It just wasn't as much of a holy shit week as some previous matches had or episodes had been, but the matches were all really fun. I love how much, match time we get on Collision in general, especially for main events.
3: Uh, other than Collision, should just kind of been the home of two women's matches.
1: Hell yeah!
3: We're making progress.
1: We are making progress. It definitely feels like they're table setting for... I mean, definitely for Mercedes, but, like, there's also talk of Camille coming in. We have Deanna now. Like, it does feel like they've expanded beyond... Before, it felt like you should do two women's matches because you should highlight the talent that is there for two women's matches at least this feels like okay now you're committing crimes if you don't do that and i also like that both of them were productive right they pushed title pictures forward queen Amanada has been unbelievable since coming in um or coming back i should say so just some really really good and productive stuff there but since we're we're bs'ing on on wrestling this is different from news and notes because it's not anything that's been like reported. But it does feel like some people are throwing this out there. And I'm starting to feel this way more and more after, especially um, New Beginning for New Japan. Because they set up what looks like Danielson's ESJ3. And they said neutral ground. I'm wondering if Forbidden Door is Arena Mexico this year. Like, I'm really intrigued by that possibility. And the way the relationship is continuing with CMLL. We're going to talk about Rocky Romero at the end of the show. But him getting invited into the AEW situation, I'm wondering if we're going to get Forbidden Door to be almost like a more multi-promotional thing other than just like a, a collision of New Japan and, and AEW. Any thoughts on, on that?
2: Well, I will say while we were watching Coll- Collision, um, Tony Khan did tweaks. I remember stopping and saying this to Joe that the he had such a good relationship with, new japan and cmll he can't wait for forbidden door three this year and he specifically named both companies so it does feel like you're saying that they're they're going towards throwing that third in which is great because half of new japan is now with aew so you kind of need that third throwing just <laughs> to give you a little bit of spice
1: it does feel Plus, that way
2: zack sabers jr versus Hesha shara versus daniel brian brian danielson i'm sorry in some kind of triple threat
1: um, yes. So they set up what looks like it would be a two out of three falls between the two of them. Um, but we also did get a challenge of Echicero to Zack Jr. in the meantime. So we'll at least be getting those down, um, like the path, I think to it, but I just think it's very interesting what you could do. And I think maybe that's why we started opening up like these multi-man matches with CMLL talent. I think it could be really cool and really fun, but it's Rocky Romero's world. Everybody else is just wrestling in it, but um, we're gonna get into some wrestling uncharacteristically early, I think. Uh, but before we do that, we do have last week's rankings.
2: Oh my god! I'm... We
1: also do have a commercial break, and because because this is our first venture without Ant and ryan's running the production and i'm hosting i'm gonna let ryan decide whether he wants to take the commercial break and then do the rankings which should be a rap or if he You're wants to it really should be coordinate. a rap
2: over r&b it's
1: just a, i guess i'm i'm old school and it just feels like it was a rankings rap segment when it all started but i respect your artistic choices um it's, it's a-
2: romance oh, if we know anything about ryan he likes to revise things so oh it's him. totally it I, i'll tell you, yeah i'm looking at what songs would work but i'm ignoring that what joe well, actually it means
1: sounds it. like either way you need the you need the commercial break then
2: i do definitely need the commercial break
1: okay then we will take the commercial break first but stick around we have a lot to talk about in wrestling world tons to talk about with this episode of dynamite as well as later in the show We've got Okada to talk about. We've got Rocky Romero and QT in the front office. We know where uh, Osprey is going to be wrestling at Revolution. There's so much to talk about, both with Dynamite and on the end of the show. So, uh, But more importantly, stick around for these commercials. We have a lot of great shows here on the Shining Wizards Network that you can learn about. And also, it's going to let Ryan Cram to finish his homework And So... Okay, Uh, we will back with the rankings sing along.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Rap or not.
2: Well, as soon as I figure out where there you are.
4: Every Monday night to listen to The Shining Wizards. If you'd like to continue to support us outside of listening, we've got a few ways for you to do that. If you shop at Amazon, go over to amazon.shiningwizards.com, do your shopping as usual, and when you make your purchase, a little bit of that purchase price will go back to support the show. If you like to wear t-shirts, merch.shiningwizards.com will take you to our Pro t store, where we've got over a dozen great designs from over 11 years of professional wrestling podcasting. You can become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash wizardspodcast where each and every week we call out your name as one of our show producers, and the more you support us, the more things that you're entitled to receive, and believe me, they are fantastic. If you can't support us monetarily, if you don't shop at Amazon, that's absolutely fine. Continue to listen to us wherever you listen to us on the World Wide Web, and make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Doesn't cost you anything, helps us out, and we can continue to bring you the love fest that
0: If you like your music heavy, then check out Radioactive Metal on the Shining Wizards Network. For over 16 years now, Radioactive Metal has been one of the longest-running podcasts. Over the years, we've interviewed some legendary metal acts, had some awesome discussions, and cranked a hell of a lot of tunes. So join your cool Uncle Snowy and his co-host Aaron. For the audio mosh pit that is Radioactive Metal, here on the Shining Wizards Network.
4: Well, the action is underway! What's up, everyone?
0: When on the Shining Wizards Network, be sure to check out Wrestling Night in Canada. If we're not recording another kick-ass podcast...
4: Or playing in punk bands. Or recording kick-ass heavy metal albums.
0: Then we're sitting back, we're grabbing a couple brews, and going over everything to do in the world of pro wrestling. Because
2: we're from Winnipeg, you idiots.
1: The Mark Order Podcast is the only show you need if you're looking for dedicated coverage of everything AEW on the Shining Wizards Network. Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday night at 10.15 p.m. Eastern after Dynamite to chat along with the show. If you can't join us live, listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all social channels at MarkOrderPod and use the hashtag joinTheMarkOrder. Because if you don't find us, we will find you.
0: I'm Kevin Rowe. I'm Al Day. And we're a couple of down-under-pounders that co-host Rope Day Dots,
4: an action figure collecting podcast where we talk about, well, just about anything that tickles our fancy at any given moment. We're grumpy old
0: man, and sometimes people get on our nerves, and when you get on our nerves, guess what? You get off the lawn. Get off my lawn, asshole!
4: We also go on a little bit of a mission. We go back and we're grading every wrestling figure and line that's out there. I'm talking LJNs. I'm talking Jacks. I'm talking Hasbros.
0: Who doesn't like a little
4: Hulk-a-plex? It's a
0: Gorilla Brain Wrestling Podcast production found on the Shining Wizards Network. I'm Duke Bags. Kevin Rowe. And together we are the co-hosts of your Duke Road you want to hear about some terrible wrestling shows we got you covered well we talk about good ones too we're currently talking about the death of not i know
4: what we're fucking talking about sometimes we get uh, guest spots like from the taskmaster i like to uh i like to listen to the year of duke and rope podcast. or uh funny guys that, uh, I like when they, I like when they talk about the, uh, the Nard's Plows, I like Nard's Plows, that's, uh, that's a good move, and, uh, I like the Dungeon of Doom, you know, sometimes, sometimes, I, I call my butt the Dungeon of Doom, thanks guys, yeah. Oklahoma, let me tell you a little bit about my favorite podcast, alright, it's a podcast with two men, two men, Duke Banks, kept broke. They talk about professional wrestling, it's a man's sport, alright, and who better to talk about a man's sport than Duke.
0: Oklahoma. And once in a while Vince Russo is talking
4: oh, you piece of shit, if you're not listening to your Duke and Road podcast in the back with the boys, you piece of shit, I don't know what you're doing, it's uh, you got a slight one in there, You're a man, Man. You're man. talking about a, something only a man can do. you about sliding one in there. Bro, take the time to slide one in there. All right, bro, you piece of shit. Slide one in there. A Gorilla Brain Wrestling podcast production that you can find on the Shining Wizards Network. We'd like to thank each and every...
1: I hope we all learned a little something about the Shining Wizards Network. I hope we all learned about wonderful shows that we might explore beyond the Mark Order. But if you are a Mark Order loyalist or if you are exploring all sorts of shows on the Shining Wizards Network, we also invite you to check out our shop on Pro Wrestling Tees. That's right. We've got four stunning T-shirt designs for you. Um, Please head over to Pro Wrestling Tees and just search for Mark Order. it will pop right out. Um you can see we've got a double sided version. We've got our cool logo available for you. We've got the pocket square size. Ryan is just popping himself by the way. Just popping himself to no end because he's going to sing for you, okay? We don't only bring you wrestling talk. We bring you musical stylings and goofy it's- ass Ryan.
2: It's not even that it's good or even funny. It's the where I pulled this from in my brain. I do not know.
1: Oh, Lord Almighty. Well, we don't really know what it's cooking in that brain of yours over there, Ryan. But we're about to find out. Because before we get into tonight's episode of Dynamite, we need to recap where the rankings stand. Okay? We have our rankings back. We decided we should bring back the rankings wrap. But Matt's not here to do it anymore. I retired from that game long ago. Okay, but Ryan was brave enough to take it over, but it's not just raps anymore, okay? It's all sorts of musical genres. So we're gonna let Ryan take it away. You're gonna get your rankings run down in the stylings of what artist Ryan?
2: No, no, you you'll after I'm done, someone's gonna have to to tell me if they know where I pulled this from. I'm the host yes. <laughs>
1: Joe already guessed it before even hearing it. So, all right, Ryan, the floor is yours.
2: All right. (laughs) Clap your hands, everybody, and everybody clap your hands. We're the Mark Gorder Podcast, and it's Ryan, your boo. I'm here on stage tonight to do a show for you. We got Smoa Joe, Christian Cage, Bobby Orange Cassidy, and Eddie Kingston running the men's stage. Number one are Swerve and Hangman. Then they're followed by Mr. Copeland. John Moxley comes in fourth with Dikesh closing the tour. Timeless Tony and Julia Hart are the women champs at the start. The Virtuosa and Thunder Rosa, Hikaru, Shida, Sky High Blue, Mariah May finishes it out. And that's one through five women for you. Our tag champions are Sting and Darby, but they are challenged by Starks and Bill. Then they are Fala Hall, load by Claudio and John Moxley. I screwed that up. Top Flight and Private Party are three and four with FTR closing the door. Trios has the acclaimed with FT Garcia being one with a fun name. Bullet Club, Gold Comes in two with the Hardys of Briscoe, somehow three. It's true. The BCC hits the number four spot with Dark Order while deserving their shot. Boom, 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 boom. That's my song for you. I wrote that hey, in five first minutes. Well,
1: I was told that you were going to lead in the direction of R&B because it was Valentine's Day. That I changed sounded, my mind. It sounded more like... I mean, that just further proves that you didn't do your homework.
2: No, I didn't. I fully admit it because I got confused when there was poor divisions. But can someone tell me where I pulled that from?
1: Uh, the I beginning think should Joe give it away. I had it on the nose when he said you pulled it from your ass, but it felt very much in the... Genre of, of an Aaron Carter. I don't know what song. but
2: Think 80s. And don't think singers. Think 80s and don't think singers? Yep. I'll give you a hint. It was in a movie.
1: Mike Peterson says run GMC.
2: No. I'll give you a hint. The actors in the movie. Did this song on stage for a crowd. A similar. The beginning is where I really get it. Did more than one person see this movie? <laughs> yes, it's actually a pretty well-known movie that had at least, four, I think, four uh, uh, sequels. I think it's four sequels. I know of three, maybe four. But the lead actors kept dropping as the sequels went on. I'll give you another hint. One of the lead actors went on to be star in ER. He was also in Top Gun. He died. Okay. I
1: think you should just tell us what it is,
2: okay. <laughs> Do you, Joe. Any? If I said the name Booger, would you understand what movie I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Okay. I know. You're, Revenge you're, of the okay. Nerds. Mike yeah. Peterson got it.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, if there's Amanda, anything Ryan knows, Amanda, knows Amanda, well, Amanda, it's Amanda, Nerds. Omega so. moves. My God. Uh,
3: yeah.
1: I mean, a classic movie, but. When Joe guessed that you were pulling that out of your ass, you
4: are <laughs> absolutely
1: correct in that. My you, God. let be
2: perfectly clear here. When I design these things, I, don't, I know they're bad.
1: No, but I know I'm you know they're my, bad.
2: I'm popping myself with my song choice.
1: It's called kayfabe, bro. Look it up.
3: No. I was still in the mind frame of R&B, so that's why I was
2: having a hard time thinking. I didn't think.
1: Yeah, I wasn't pulling out musical performances from a So Rendum I'm going to be, be honest, honest with you. Nerd.
2: I had um I'll make love to you as my original choice, and I had some lyrics written out for that. But then I started singing Revenge of the Nerds, and that's all I could do. My mind. That didn't was let me go a way.
1: choice that you made. Yes. Uh, but before we dive into Dynamite, uh, first of all, all right, your attempts. Yes. We we applaud your attempts at that. I'm the one willing
2: to come up here and embarrass myself for this.
1: I'm applauding it! I'm applauding it as we speak. Second of very all, golf
2: clappy.
1: how loud do you want me to be? I'm using my headphone oh like Not very much I can do there, Ryan. But I did want to talk about something with the rankings. And it wasn't just Ryan's beautiful verse. This trio's division is in shambles. Like this trio's division is not good right now. Can you read um the trios like a normal person real quick? Just because yeah. when you were wrapping the names, I was like, "This is not good." Like the fact that the Righteous and Lance Archer aren't in AEW for these teams is bad. Like the fact that the Dark Order I just is in pulling a. Room, it up. Okay. Okay, even better. It's too tiny for me to see. Trios champions, FTR and Daniel Garcia. Not even really a trio. I'm in like riot mode where I'm like ugh. Bullet, Club, Bullet Gold, Club Gold, obviously, probably gonna win, right? The Hardy's and Mark Briscoe, that's an embarrassment. Full Combat Club, of course. Dark Order's on the board. So I just feel they like a
2: shot for my song.
1: For your song, they do deserve a shot. But like we haven't seen them win on television in forever, right? Um it, it's it's a rough division man it's not good <laughs> it's not good like i would rather see like the guys from CMLL that showed up i don't understand why um Roosh and his crew are not in here why we don't have lfi in this uh well, it's is Roosh not it's Ro- i think yes he is but not too badly right he should be back soon ish i think
2: yeah i'm just wondering like that's... you're
1: right i think you're right um but, my goodness, like, they've got some work to do on the trios division. I vote Mustafali and two bodyguards. I vote Uh, Bullet Club Gold has, has to win, and they should have a healthy reign. Maybe you get House of Black to be a proper trio again at some point in here, but you could also have, like, Christian Cage and his group. Like, there's so many stables around that you could pull trios from, but they just don't and this division is not great like and they they need to do better am i alone in that do you guys have thoughts on that because i feel like a trio's mm-hmm. division is rough
4: <laughs> it's been
3: still it's been still for me since probably maybe halfway through the house and blacks run a little bit um, sure when they got the belts i thought i was optimistic because they were doing the you know the whole house and black rules and all those things kind of making it fun um and then he kept you know, going back to the acclaims and daddy ass. And it just, uh, it just felt stagnant since then. And we're kind of throwing some teams together and not actually using the trios, the groups that have three people in them already. Um, and then, you know, you have the whole R- the RH six-man belts. And whether or not you know, they should just unify them instead of having two sets.
1: But it sure does feel that way because you have better trios in ROH almost. You have the Mughal Embassy was kicking around down there. You have um Dunk Castle and the Boys if you want them to be a trio. There's a lot of possibilities in ROH, but Ryan, what do you think about that? Are we headed toward a tag unification? And what are your thoughts on the division? Because it is not I'm great. not a
2: fan of a tag unification because I want ROH to be ROH and so then it doesn't matter that it's unified because you can just have your up and coming trios down there. But I'm looking at these these names, and you look at the tag division. Um, I want John Moxley and Claudio out of that. Not a knock on them. I don't think unless they're serious about pushing them. But you can't have them in both. I don't like the to flip over of the ta- tag and trios.
1: Yeah, agreed.
2: Yeah. Your guys. Um, but you know you have Ricky Starks and Big Bill. Both should be singles. But if they're not, okay, they work as tag team. Top Light, Private Party, FTR, and the Young Bucks. So you have at least four or five really solid teams before you have to even start looking. But your trios is all guys that should either be tag team or you know FTR shouldn't be on there. Bull Club, okay, that's fine. The Hardy's and Briscoe, no. Uh Blackpool, Blackpool, again, they have to choose which one they're in. And Dark Order's fine. So no, you're you're it's a terrible division, but you have the talent to make it a great division. So I don't Agreed. understand.
1: Agreed. And like it's It's also talent that feels like it should just be dispersed elsewhere, to your point. Like, Daniel Garcia is now in the TBS picture, right? So why is he in the trio's picture as well? FDR, they're just a tag team. They should always be a tag team. I'm sure Cash Wheeler's availability might be playing into that as he deals with his legal issues. The Hardys and Mark Briscoe are not a trio, right? Like, this is rough. This is really, really rough. Like, you could easily pair, like, Butcher and Blade with someone, and make them a trio and ROH you've got Jack Jameson with uh formerly bear country, the iron savages. Now, like there's, there's so many possibilities down there are people that you could just be elevating here, but it is a rough looking division. Everything else is looking good though. I'm very excited about. Um, well,
2: we'll put your and blade. You have Kip Sabian the sitting there. Kip Sabian also put the blade.
1: Yeah, that's very true. In there. But back I'm, I'm back in literally picture.
2: looking at the entire ro- roster and right now, trying to figure out
1: no, Big um, G. I meant the TBS title. I meant Daniel Garcia is going after Julia Hart. Actually, so sorry. I know that'd be you, hilarious. You, uh, um, you're actually wrong about that. No, I do that all the time. I always get the TNT and TBS titles mixed up. But... Truthfully,
2: well, I I would love to know Chucky e. T's uh health because sure. Trent looks like he's going for a singles run. So it sucks because they'll have never been given the tag champs, which I think they should have been before he gets to do his singles, but. Story wise, even though there seems to be a pause, it looks like he was going because you could have made them trios with either Orange Cassie or you could have given them Danhausen. Like they could have had fun and run that way. You said it, Vincent and Bo- uh Dutch what could either be tag or they could throw in Lance Archery of trios. Like there's a couple that could go either way, and then you have full t- you have full divisions on both sides with legitimate teams. I don't understand the crossover. Um, I but part of it is just get rid of the ROH belts on AEW TV. I don't care if you use the same people. Like, I legitimately don't care if you tell me, say, Taven and um and uh, Bennett Bennett are your ROH tag champions. Fine. I don't necessarily care if they bring the belts around, technically. But they need to just, like, it needs to almost be like, yeah, they defend there. But when they're here, they're in this tag division as well. And this is where they fall.
1: I like, do like, because I watch and review ROH. So I would prefer to have my champions on that no, no, show. my point was
2: they have to be on there defending there too. They're either doing double duty there or they have to choose.
1: Right. But that look what happened when they did that with Samoa Joe. He just vacated the ROH title. Like there is a priority here. So I don't want that. Um, but that's what I've loved about what they were doing with Ethan Page. Like he had his cool match against Kenny Omega, he's popped up a couple of times, but he's been so vocal about wanting to be an ROH. I feel like that's awesome. But to your point about the crossover between the trios and the tag championships. I loved in old ROH and MLW, I don't know if they still function this way, but they did when I was watching them, you would have to declare your division. And I felt like that created mm-hmm. so much clarity around like, I'm going for that title um, and here's why. Now, they also have a special title in the pure title, so that made a lot more sense, right? But it just feels like that would be something that's really helpful there. Do you think that would be helpful, Joe? Do you feel like they were prepared to roll out these rankings at the time that they did? Because they kind of just threw it at us.
3: Well, I think uh, apparently after tonight, I blame Samoa Joe for the for the rankings and for bringing him back.
1: It's true, yeah. No, that was on him.
3: <laughs> so, I mean, it's just chaos after that. Sure. Um, I like your idea. I like the thought of the, the whole like you know de- de- declaring like you know what what you're going after, where you're where you're at. It
1: just makes it so much cleaner, I find, but. That's enough rankings talk because we also already had rankings musical styling. So we're going to flip shortly into Dinoite, but Ryan, did I cut you off? You looked like you were going to say something.
2: I I was going to say you could, in theory, even though I brought up as it, it does annoy me, but you could in theory have like a, a tag to trios crossover, but you'd have to, well, you'd have to really establish like these are your trios teams. These are your tag teams. And when they're going into a match, what ranking this is affecting. Sure. So like like saying like, you know, the BCC's wrestling and the bcc to tag team is Claudio and John. has no other configuration. It's those two. And when they go into the triple, it either has to be Danielson or Yuta, but you can't keep switching them out. So when you see those three guys together wrestling, you know they're wrestling for the trio's ranking or you know the rest. those two guys are wrestling for tag. Right now, it seems like they flip-flop a lot of those guys and who can come and where. And and it just seems to be any time a third gets added to a tag, they're automatically in the trios, and I don't like that. It has to be like, no, we're now competing for that belt because the trios could be awesome. Like, if Bull Club Gold won it, um, from from the acclaimed, like, it could be what Jay White needs to be finally like the man, like one of the men, the men in AEW that you really care about. Because like, look what it did for Shane Taylor. The six man did for Shane Taylor in ROH. So, like, you right can there, be yeah. a dominant thing. If you're treated like a dominant thing, but part of being considered dominant is having having a, having teams that you are worth beating.
1: Who are you, and what division are you in? That's all I ask. That's all yeah. I want to know about my wrestling program. It's actually but not
2: that hard, though. Just release no. one sheet, being like, "These are all our teams." No, I'm saying no, it's not it's hard. Not. It's like not hard at all. Just being like, "This is this is it.
1: This is it. That's exactly it." And it makes for some really fun promos, too, because you get people that have certain attachments to certain belts, and you kind of find out why. It's almost like ROH before it shut right down was not all that bad. Maybe people should have watched it. Not that I'm defensive you know, about it. don't crazy. Not that I'm defensive about it. But everybody yeah. should have. But we're going to get into tonight's episode of Dynamite. Guys, please leave a thumbs up on this video. We see that there's some more of you watching now than we're at the beginning of the show. So we always appreciate it. It helps us find people in the algorithm. Also, if you could leave a five-star review for us, even a four-star review, if you could leave a positive leading review, I'm going to really ask that you leave a five-star review, but we'll take a four-star review saying, oh my gosh, these guys are so great and entertaining. That would be very much appreciated. Mike Peterson saying Kate out here speaking ROH gospel. You're damn right I am. You're damn right I am. I will sip for ROH always. But let's get into tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. Um, Overall, I thought it was pretty good. The stuff that I didn't like, I hated, which was mostly one thing, to be honest. I just didn't like the booking of one match. But, man, a couple of things I've noticed. Since they recommitted to a sports-based presentation... Um, the pacing has picked way up, especially on Dynamite. I don't feel like it really ever suffered on Collision from the invention of Collision under CM Punk's guide or Bride Danielson or whoever's doing it now. Collision has always felt quick to me. These episodes of Dynamite fly by when they've recommitted to this presentation. And the other thing is now, since like the beginning of the year, man, these crowds are hot as hell. They were so loud tonight. It was so refreshing to hear. They threw swerve off his game at one point. It wasn't like in a going into business for yourself way, but they were just loud, 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 loud. There were people that um, are normally in this chat that we know that were there. um, And they were saying that it was just like definitely loud. Is the feeling back, guys? Because it kind of feels like the feeling's back. We got a smooch between Dax and Mox, like... Kind of feels like we've restored the feeling. Do you guys feel we've restored the feeling?
3: That love and feeling.
1: Yeah, because it. You know what, Joe? It was like we lost that love and feeling, mm-hmm. and now it kind of feels like that love and feeling might be swinging back around in these episodes of AEW Dynamite. That's how I feel.
3: Yeah, I. I, was, I think I was telling Ryan last week. I thought last week's show was went by really fast, which. Is, it's too bad and when you buy so fat but at the same time like when i go by that fast that's my marker of how i know it's a really great show mm-hmm. uh this week i went maybe a, a tad bit slower than last week for me but it's still it's an easy watch so it still tells me that the uh the sports-based wrestling programming of the show uh is really helping like you said with the pace of every, everything and uh keeping things moving along
1: sure that makes sense and I agree where last week felt faster than this, but this felt way faster still than maybe four months ago or so. It's kind of where my head's at. Ryan, do you feel like the same thing? And did you notice how crowd the hot, how hot the crowd was tonight too? Because it felt like they were just, especially during that world championship segment, man, they were just going crazy for a lot of stuff tonight.
2: I got a feeling that tonight's gonna be a good night. So we start
1: you, with no. Mox and...
2: <laughs> they... It's the crowd is back into it i feel like the either they i don't know if they've necessarily gone to smaller venues or they've just figured out how to set them up better yeah so i don't know if it's the,
1: the micing or this but yeah
2: yeah because it definitely like like you said it took in a good way took swerve out where he like it actually made them laugh like it was it was a very good i mean you got a cody chant tonight for christ's sakes so, like it was they were they were into it
1: they were in their I pocket was, tonight i feel there.
3: like No, Texas Texas has been a pretty hot spot for AEW as far as whether it's outside of Austin, Houston, down by like the border, you know, Edinburgh, Texas, where they were like a couple weeks ago. I feel like wherever they go in Texas, it's it's pretty hot for them.
1: It's very true. And I used to think it was just because they had some key talent from Texas and it's not like it's not just because Ricky Starks or Thunder Rosa is on the show. Like these crowds are super, super hot for it. I think they kind of had to wait the longest. I feel like when we got out of the pandemic, like their loop took forever to get to. It just feels like they, Jersey gets a lot. Chicago gets the most. Like California was hot because they never got it. Like Texas feels like they don't get AEW around as much. So this is super, super fun to hear these crowds, but Also, we started with a really fun match that helps when you get into things with something as fun as Dex and Mox was. The finish today was a rear naked chokehold that had Moxley just uh, locked in on Harwood who fought hard but ultimately passed out. I loved his sell in this. Uh, And Moxley just refusing to let go. A lot of people speculated maybe Cash Wheeler wasn't there tonight and that's why we're getting a singles match. But it does not seem as legal issues are in play as of right now because... He comes down to the ring to beat down Moxley. Claudio comes in like a bat out of nowhere <laughs> to even the odds. Um, drops a cash wheeler with a neutralizer that looked really, really, really good. And Mox is reapplying the chokehold on Harwood, standing tall. A couple of other spots that I liked in this because I call spots. I loved the way Moxley got out of the sharpshooter with an arm bar. I thought that was really great. Uh, the superplex from Dax on the second rope too, just really timed well, really locked in with the audience's reaction to it. And of course the big old smooch. I can't believe John Moxley would cheat on Effie on Valentine's day, but here we are. I could watch these guys beat the ever living crap out of each other for as long as they wanted to. This is Dax's first singles match since April of last year. He lost to Jeff Jarrett. It made me very, very sad. Uh, but it feels like we're leading toward Blackpool Combat Club versus FTR. Would love your thoughts on this match. But I also want to get your thoughts on the fact that Blackpool Combat Club seems to not be your so heel or your so face. And I really like where they sit in that. It's just who they're booked against and where the perspective shift is because it seemed like with CMLL versus FTR, like they're just playing all over the field here. Um, Ryan, we'll start with you. What did you think about uh, this match, and how do you feel about Blackpool Combat Club just being like, "We're just violent and gonna kick your ass, no matter who you are"?
2: So, match-wise, listen, we are always telling them they need to kiss when they get that close. It's so true. Not,
1: Long-term storytelling. Uh,
2: I, I like that they 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 made you believe the dax could win even though you knew he wasn't going to um but they tried to make you believe it which is always important in this in a match to make the the opponent and, you know the, i think the hard part is here is you're you need to establish that ftr is the better team but not the better individuals and i i don't know how you're going to tell that story cuz but that's the story i like because you know that that's you know what it is FTR is the team and they've always just been the team um where the hell was Claudio for all like like cash was out there in a heartbeat Claudio took I know he was like about out of hell once he got out there but like I don't know when I'm if I were a wrestler and my partner was wrestling someone who also had a partner I'd be standing close to the entrance because it always ends up that someone's coming to attack someone else. So How I would just be. How often
1: has John Moxley needed help, though? Realistically,
2: two one more often than not.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I see your point, but I feel like I didn't have a problem with Claudio getting down there, especially when he just, I'm- laid in the neutralizer as well as he did. So. Um, and they're the ones that stand tall at the end of this, which is interesting and fun. Uh, I, I agree with you, the tag guy should not be the one to win in singles matches, and they're, they're a proper tag team versus Moxley, who's a singles competitor in a trio. But, um, I love this as a possible program for Revolution, too. Like, just a really, really, really fun idea. Joe, what are your thoughts about the match that we got tonight? and if this is what we get at Revolution, who do you see going over here? Because it feels to me like Blackpool Combat Club could go over here. But honestly, it could go either way for me. What are your thoughts?
3: Well, first of all, maybe Clayo was in the restroom.
2: You never know.
1: Yeah, some, maybe he was taking a dump, Ryan. You ever think about that? He
2: couldn't hold it. He had nothing else to do.
1: What if he, he doesn't want to shit in the ring? Then he has to go on the Shining Wizards podcast and tell a story. It's a whole thing. <laughs> it's a whole story. I
2: I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Could have worn brown pants. Wouldn't have even been a problem. Um, the match itself
3: I thought it was uh it was an interesting like two halves of a match where it felt like a more of a brawl than a, a technical match in the beginning and then it somewhere along the way switched over to more of the technical side. Um and if I may borrow your bit of calling some spots.
1: Oh sir, please.
3: At least I asked for permission.
1: You did, uh, and then I respect that. Permission granted. are phone so uh, piece.
3: This day. Um the I, I liked watching how Dax would counter the like the Bulldog choke by, by not being flat on his stomach or the way he would, you know, fight off the arm bar by locking his hands together. Um, it just kind of further demonstrates his like, you know, tecker mentality. And uh I and then also another spy I enjoyed was almost when they both had kind of both had wrist control of each other, almost like making a a strap out of their arms and they're sitting there striking each other back and forth like a strap match. Um I I enjoyed that part of the match. Um
1: Ryan, but, do you see how Joe asked for permission and is calling Tacker spots? Of course. Of course I'm yeah, gonna uh, grant uh, you permission to call he's, spots. Di- he's
2: disgraceful. He's disgraceful. <laughs> know your
3: audience, Ryan. Know your audience.
2: Seems um steal so spots.
3: And then talking about the BCC, I think uh yeah, I mean I think I, I think how they're being presented is how they've always claimed to be, really. You know, they don't they've probably kind of give given the like if, love us or hate us, like we're gonna go out there and just stomp people's heads in and break arms and you know, just be vicious and you know, if people can't handle it, then get out of their way. Um it looks like we are gonna get that tag match next next Wednesday between FTR and Mox and Clayo.
1: I think so too and I wonder if that turns into a trios match because it, it's weird we have this thing with Daniel Garcia now going for the title it feels like against Christian so I wonder what happens there or if it's some sort of return shot on the pay-per-view but I love that possibility and either way quite honestly like I, I feel like a trios match or an extended tag program with them could be super super fun um we obviously feel like we're also headed towards Danielson Um being in the the title picture against eddie so i do feel like having just a tag match could be really fun because wheeler's got the pure title maybe he does something on the zero hour or whatever maybe he isn't a part of this that's fine hasn't been around for a bit i hope he's healthy and okay um but i agree with you it's just been interesting because i feel like they're now face and heels in separate feuds a little bit like where I, I feel like they're flipping could their booking could always flip back and forth. Now it feels like they're the heels against FTR, but they're the faces against the CMLL crew. It's, it's kind of cool. Like, I, I don't think we've seen people get used like that before, but to your point about Moxley style, especially like that death jitsu thing, like feels very accurate for what, <laughs> what he does because of what you said. It's like so violent and feels brawlery, but it, there's so many of the technical roots in what he does. It's, it's kind of lost in the shuffle how much it feels like he's evolved as a wrestler, in my opinion, because he's a three-time champion and so successful. And I don't think people feel he's underrated in any way. But I feel like his in-ring evolution is something that has gotten a little bit lost in the shuffle because of it.
3: Yeah, I think that evolved when he when the Blackpool Combat Club came around, where you know before then his character really was just more about brawling and not so much showing off his wrestling abilities that he he's always had. And now he's able to kind of further evolve those skills um, in the BCC with Kwayo and, and Danielson and Yuta. So, yeah, I'm all for Death, death, is it death Jitsu. Death
1: Jitsu, yeah.
3: <laughs> I get all my between rules, redneck, right? cum, redneck kung fu and Death Jitsu.
1: <laughs> kind of speaking the same language. of. Yeah. When- weird words over there, but agreed. And I feel like Dax tonight, because he's so hard hitting, but so old school, like really, really, really fun dance partner in all of that. But we will move along to something that I'm very excited about. If Claudio wasn't shitting his pants before, Ryan, I think he might over the match that got set up here, because I just about did, between Will Ospreay and Kanosuke Takeshita. Backstage with Don Callis and the beautiful, wonderful Renee Paquette. We miss Ant and his soundboard for moments like these. But Don Callis basically says that his faction is a victim of their own success and nobody wants to face them. So he's going to have to start having family face each other. I liked his justification here. I like him saying sometimes brothers fight, right? Like iron sharpens iron. People need to fight each other. So for the family... They got to create the best result possible with the best match possible. And that's going to be Will Osprey versus Kanosuke Takeshita announced for Revolution. Holy shitballs. What an incoming match for Will Ospreay. Glad that they're giving him time because the uh, War Games match that he was in on New Beginning was violent and brutal walking back into something with Kanosuke Takeshita, he should probably heal up for a couple weeks. He should probably do that. Um, but I'm so excited. What a fun entry match. Feels like Kanosuke is not really going for a title here, but still feels like a priority. He's beating guys like Omega. They want us to think that Jericho is important still. Hard to buy into sometimes, but he's still beating a legend in the business. Now he's going to be facing Will Ospreay. I'm assuming Osprey gets the win here, but I don't think people are going to give a shit because I think this match is going to blow the roof off the place. This Revolution card's looking really fun. I'm going to kick it to Joe first since we went to Ryan last time, but are you... I, I think this has a chance to be match of the night from an in-ring perspective, certainly.
3: Well, before then, I feel like we... Hi, Jesse Ozog. Hi, Jesse. Just...
1: Even though Ant's not here, we're still we're still waving. Or. Er- there you go. I don't
3: who needs a soundboard. I'll make my own sound. <laughs> um I yeah, it's gonna be a, a hell of a match. And I also think it's a nice way to maybe plant a seed of in that the, the dissension within the Don Callege family with Osprey and with Kyle Fletcher. And you know, if they can eventually kind of pull them out and have kind of a uh United Empire. Is that right, I get all my undisputed United things now.
1: You got it right, United Empires, right?
3: Yeah, if we get one, then think kind you. Of time to come back and have a little few. Oh, Ryan, that's, that's like a very Valentine's
1: Day one, but not
3: like necessarily.
1: Noise. A...
3: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I. I, I wow. <laughs> I'm going to censure that later. Um... I am looking forward to that. I don't know if Don will eventually turn on Osprey like he did with Penny, or I think you can tell that story down the road.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And I'm also interested to see if this is how Takeshita maybe breaks out of it. I feel mm-hmm. like um, I love like badass assassin Takeshita, but he's very, very over, and people want to root for this guy, so they're going to have to figure out how to reconcile that at some point. Or maybe they don't. Maybe it's just a heel who everybody loves. Look at what Samoa Joe's doing. We're gonna talk about that later. But Ryan, um, are you excited about the pageantry of this match? Because the in ring is gonna clearly be terrible.
2: I'm thinking it's probably a three minute match. Um, yeah. may, with rest holds, even because uh, these guys need that.
1: Probably.
3: Ninety yeah. um, percent rest holds. Yeah. I feel like they need Steve Harvey to come in since the family feud.
1: I think that's a really good yeah. call. And they could be like, Survey says chaos theory, and then Konosky can Takeshi can do a chaos theory. It'll be great.
2: Uh, So is is Kyle Fletcher's partner, what is it, Mark? Is it Mark Dave? What is his name?
1: Mark Davis. Yeah. Mark
2: Davis. Is he still hurt?
1: To my knowledge, yes.
2: Okay, because his name wasn't said. Um. You know, so It'd be he's a big not return, though.
1: The, People would be excited for that. I, don't
2: I know. still run under the feeling that this is going to be United Empire versus the Callis family. I'm going to keep kick, you know, kicking that dead horse until it's all the way dead, um, because I think that'd be the most fun. So you have Osprey go out, you have Osprey win because it's his debut, um, and then the Callis family turns on him and then Fletcher and Davis make the save.
1: Don't hate that. Don't hate that. That could be very fun. I think you can guarantee that gets booked right now if you could just do the United Empire hand signal. Nope. So, I guess, guess we'll have to wait and see. We got some more people joining us in the chat. Hi, Jesse Ozog. Hi, Greg Cherry. Thank you so much for coming in and saying hi. Appreciate you. Jesse Ozak says, wasn't he only mostly dead? Uh, Will Ospreay, what was left of him was alive. Yeah, uh, that match was absolutely bananas. he's
2: mostly dead.
1: He's he's not yet dead in the Monty Python world, as we would say, but I'm so excited.
2: Princess Bride, to blade, which means to bluff, which means he's lying, which means he was playing a game of cards and he lied. Lyle, he said, true love, true love.
1: Appropriate for Valentine's Day, honestly. And it's one of my favorite movies. It's a GOAT go- movie. It's an excellent yeah. movie. But I'm really excited. I'm very excited for the way this Revolution card is shaping up. Because everything on there that I remember being set for it is pretty ridiculous. But speaking of ridiculous, Warlow's pretty strong, huh? We get a match against poor Barrett Brown. Rest in peace. We hardly knew ye. Uh, Warlow did notably have the brace on his right knee glad to see him back in action here. Um, it looked real bad a couple weeks ago. He said he was okay. It would seem he's okay. Adam Cole joining on commentary. Doesn't have time to get a word in edgewise until the end, though. Absolutely love this. Wardlow hitting a hanging knee strike, which looks so nasty. I love when he lays those in. Very fun for the heel Wardlow moveset. Hitting that in the corner. Then... uh a lot, of, a lot of flexing, a lot of admiring himself on the Tron, which I thought was really, really fun. We got a last ride powerbomb before the win. Adam Cole, who never says a single word, says, pleasure to talk to you, and walks off. Uh, I, I'm glad that we got this. This was a good little squash in the middle of it, but I, I like the adaptation of Wardlow to the heel side of things. People were so into him as a face. He's figured out how to translate himself into heel world pretty well, I feel like. Just eating through dudes like this, as he does. But more than just a powerbomb symphony, right? So, Ryan, what were your thoughts on this? And how well do you think Adam Cole did on commentary, like on a scale of 1 to 10?
2: (laughs) So, this match happened. It did. Um, Adam Cole did a 20 out of 10 in commentary. Sure. I could not have laughed harder when he said, thank you, gentlemen, good night, at the end of the match. Because I didn't think they'd have him say anything. I thought they would just have him walk away. Sure. Well, roll away. So the fact that he actually said something at the end was just hysterical. And to sit right next to Shivani is just perfect. I mean it's great. listen, I don't like that they're still they're still trying to tell this story with Wardlow. Uh it they really feel like they're trying retrying to capture the, the feeling Wardlow had
1: to restore two years the ago Wardlow feeling. Yeah.
2: Yes they're trying to get that fire back under him and it's like you, you killed it. It's very hard to bring that back. That being said, Adam Cole's amazing.
1: <laughs> he is amazing. Um I feel like the rough thing with Wardlow right now is he of anybody needs the MJF playoff. Like he his he is not endemically a part of undisputed, right? So He doesn't have any connection to these guys except for the fact that Adam Cole was like, you're my heavy. Um, I feel like the reason Wardlow got brought into this was to beat the ever-living piss out of MJF for what MJF did to him. And so MJF now being sidelined with injury and it seems like some acting things. um, That kind of leaves Wardlow in this spot where he's just chewing up and spitting dudes out for no real reason. Which is fun to an extent, but has a ceiling on it. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on this extensive match that we got tonight? Adam Cole's brilliant commentary performance. I think Ian Riccaboni out of a job now, and uh, and this more low repackaging and run so far.
3: Yeah, I mean, definitely a six star match. Um, sure. He, I and I get the point of what you were talking about how you know he obviously was there to to kind of um, have that MJF blow off feud. And so MJF got hurt. Um, the I'm glad, I guess, I'm glad they're still keeping him on TV still and kind of having him, you know, get the squashes and have so people, he's fresh in people's memory. I just don't know how long, what the shelf life is that, of this because I think eventually you want him to win the world title, but there's so many other people that they have to win the world title before him that you can't keep having him do the same thing over and over again. Uh, I, see, I, feel like, I feel like eventually you're going to have that Wardlow and Adam Cole riff over the world title since they kind of planted that seed early on about how you're going to hand over the belt and you, win it for you him you kind
1: of have to go back there yeah. for sure and that feels way so, more pressing
3: I just feel like you know, so far down the line that I don't know how long you can keep Wardlow doing the same thing without inserting him into some type kind of other title picture or storyline
1: um, See, I feel like he would have been perfect for ROH Like to go there, kind of settle himself in, maybe hold the title down there felt to me like the right move for Ward, though, because let's keep in mind, he's still pretty new with this. He was very over and he was excelling in the roles he was given. But I feel like him going to ROH to work with some of the best of the best while there was some room down there might have been a good call. But Ryan, you looked like you had more to say on this. What, what, What did you want to add?
2: a uh, couple of things one i thought joe said squash a squat like squash match for like squash but like the food i don't know why the food went in my head a squash
1: i mean they're the same said it right yeah i know
2: he said it right but instead of thinking the context of what he was actually saying all i could like think about was the food yeah i don't I'm know sure Do you you a yeah.
1: <laughs> he's a cereal man if anything but go on yeah.
2: Uh, the second, I had. well, I have three, and I'm trying to remember the second, so I'll go to the third first. Uh, I liked your ROH thing because he could have basically been like male Athena down there where he just took the title and was supremely dominant and no one could touch him, but having real matches. Oh, I remember, and this kind of plays into my second point because now I remember what it is. That whole I'm going to go out and squash thing works until you get in a real feud. Once you've had your first real feud, no one wants you to go back. Like, that is... Occasionally yeah. is okay, but no one wants that to be the basis of your character again. Because you've, in theory, evolved beyond that. You've evolved beyond beating no-names in squash matches. You've now evolved to the point where you should go out and beat named guys in real matches. I
1: you would can agree look dominant, with you except if you have a bum knee, you probably don't want to push it. That's that's my only thinking on this specific night is if he's got that brace on, he might, if he was he was walking pretty slow out of the ring. It, it's possible maybe this wasn't the best call for him, but we will stop the Wardlow talk there and we will move along because we do get an announcement that we have Mystico, Volador, uh, Blue Panther, and Ultimo Guerrero Versus John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, Brian Danielson, and Wheeler Utah in Mexico on March 24th in Arena Mexico for a CMLL versus AEW event, it looks like. Or at least that's what this match is being billed at. Um, absolutely bananas, cuckoo bonkers. Um, Blue Justice is somebody that Danielson, or Blue Panther, excuse me, has said that uh, Danielson said that he's wanted to face over and over again, which is pretty cool. So it's just cool as we see these relationships continue to build. And I don't know anything about CML outside of Echicero. But I do know uh, that Luis, uh, my moderator at Fightful, is very excited for it. And he follows the CML product very closely. So if he's excited for it, that's probably a better barometer than me who does not know these guys. So.
3: I do have one thing really quick to add before we move on to the next match about Adam Cole and his announcing.
1: Oh, yes. Gosh, of yeah.
3: course. My my closest statement on that is that he is clearly the best announcer in pro wrestling with a last name Cole.
1: You know what? I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. I I think he – I would have taken it if you just left it. He's clearly the best announcer in wrestling. Well, I I mean, you know. I would have taken that.
3: I would to be be respectful to Ian and to Nigel and to No.
1: That's true. Oh, Nigel and Danielson on commentary is like a dream of mine. But Nigel and Cole on commentary, also very fun possibilities (laughs) with that. But legendary performance tonight. Really great stuff out of him. I am impressed by how he navigated such a difficult payday, to be honest. Like, that is, that's a lot. That's a lot to deal with. But we move along to a really great match with what I felt like was a really shitty ending between Adam Copeland and Daniel Garcia, which ends in a no contest, and an overbooked finish. Now, I don't like this, but this is a continuation of what they did at uh, World's End, it feels like. So if the booking is almost supposed to be satirically WWE at this point, I can't argue that that's kind of funny. But I don't like it, especially because I watch and review NXT on Tuesday nights, and I don't need more of these endings in my life. I would prefer much less of them, but Copeland locks in the grindhouse, and then Nick Wayne and Killswitch hit the ring for the beatdown, causing the no contest. Cage goes to ringside with a couple of chairs from under the ring, and Matt Menard is there on commentary. Puts a stop to it, only to be decked by the Killswitch, though. Patriarchy delivers a concerto to Garcia, but Copeland returns and cleans house with the chair of his own. Christian Cage is cowering in the corner, and here comes Mother Wayne. Delivers a low blow on Copeland. Rude. And Nick delivers Wayne's world mm-hmm. and a kill switch to with the Extinction Lariat. Cage, this is a lot, delivers a concerto to Copeland. Before holding up the TNT title and making out with it. Because happy Valentine's Day. Uh, Cage and his crew leave smiling. Garcia is staring down Cage at the end of this. I think the concerto to Adam Copeland means we're getting a one-on-one with Garcia and Christian. And I don't think you do two triple threats at Revolution. Um, A couple of spots that I loved in here. Garcia's dragon screw leg whip is great. Reminds me of old Tanahashi when he could do this move extremely well. Um, And doing it from the middle rope is just a cool thing to do. I also loved Copeland selling just in general. He's just one of the best salesmen in the game in this way. And him attacking the shoulder of Garcia, like picking a body part and isolating it. I don't know if you guys know it, but I really like matches where somebody picks a body part and continues to attack it over the course of a match. That's kind you of a thing know, that I no. appreciate in pro-wrestling. How um, dare so you love logic? It's, I know. It's foolish of me because I don't really use logic too many other places in my life. So it's weird that it creeps in here on wrestling. But uh, we're going to go to Ryan first on this. I loved this match outside of the overbooked ending. I can't argue that the overbooked ending makes sense for what they're trying to build out. And if it's what gets Garcia to have a one-on-one match with Christian... And leaves adam copeland in a is he gonna turn heel or is he gonna get his shot later kind of thing i don't necessarily mind it i just don't like finishes like this at all uh what were your thoughts on the match and this very convoluted ending that i tried to read
2: so i like obviously the match was good i like anytime someone counters a spear with a knee i just think that's the most logical move to do to that like
1: that was the spot please ask permission next time
2: no so you just raise your leg a little bit, and boom—you've—you've—you've you've taken over. See, your light is disappointed in you. Um,
1: no, you caused hell. Reached so heaven.
2: I was a big fan of that. I didn't mind the ending at all because, to me, it's very clear. This—they don't do this. They—they they did this a lot for a while, and they've gotten far away from it again. So I'm okay with it that this isn't a typical finish anymore. It's very clear to the story they're telling, which is. Christian didn't want either one of them in a match against him, which to me is the story they're telling. He's very afraid of, for his title that he he clearly has physical attraction for. I'm with you. I think this leads to Garcia getting a singles match at Revolution. Do you think he wins it?
1: You know, Tony Khan's gotten so much better about striking while the iron's hot. I would love if they did that because I think Daniel Garcia is super over right now. And he ate all those losses during the C2 that, like, him going from losing out to the trajectory of winning, I think, could be really fun. Um, Especially because, like, the international title feels kind of weird right now. Like, it would be very fun. You could walk out of Revolution with three new champions. Like, you could walk out with probably Roddy. Probably, I'm going to say probably Swerve, though. Man, they're making that very interesting. We're going to talk about that in a second. And Daniel Garcia, like, Swerve Garcia, Roddy Strong is a very fun triumvirate of champions. (laughs) Um, Also, your tag champions because it's Sting's last match, right? It's either going to be vacating the titles or the Young Bucks. So, like, you want to talk about wiping the slate clean in one pay-per-view. I think that could be really fun. And I think it's time. Like, Christian's been so fun, but this doesn't need the belt anymore. I would love to see what Daniel Garcia could do with his belt. So, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Joe, what did you think of this match, and what do you think we're getting out of it? Are we getting two triple threats for titles at Revolution, or do you think we're getting a one-on-one, and who comes out victor in all of it?
3: The I thought the match was fun. I, I especially when it was advertised, I was looking forward to seeing this one, and I think it delivered up until the end. And at the same point, I understand the convolution, convoluted nature of the end, the finish, because. You, know, you don't want Garcia to lose. You don't want Copeland to lose. So like you have this messy finish. Uh, so I understand that part. I I I don't I didn't think about like you no know, a three man, triple threat type of triple you no know, three way match. Uh, initially I was thinking more of like almost like a six man like a six man tag uh, with you know the patriarchy and on uh, you know Garcia and Copeland and someone else. Sure. Um uh, but I like the idea of Garcia eventually winning the title. If that leads to a Copeland heel turn where he's just, you know, a little bit jealous and incensed over being passed over by the young guy. Um I I enjoy some Copeland's kind of you know played up heel mannerism tonight when he was kind of mocking Garcia with the dancing. And then also like in picture in picture he got in the ring, like took up you know a pair of red sunglasses and was wearing them around and then broke them and threw them in the crowd. Um just very some kind of like heelish behavior from him. Yes. So and I just my only critique at the end of, besides being, you know, wild at the end, was <laughs> that I wish kind of that Nick Wang would have been the one to concerto Copeland to kind of come full circle on that moment.
1: That's very fair and also, like, would be a bigger moment for him than anybody else, right? Like, he needs to be the one that ultimately feels important in this, so I agree with you there. Um, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by... Even though this finish wasn't for me, I, it's a lot easier to swallow when it makes sense because it does make sense from a wrestling perspective. I just don't like overbooked finishes. But, like... I where Adam Copeland goes, whether it's on the heel side and on the tag run with Christian, or he eventually takes the belt from him. The other thing to remember is we have the ladder match traditionally at Revolution, right? So um is that gonna just be for the international title shot? Is it going to be for a TNT title shot to make this picture even more complicated? What if Nick Wayne wins the the ladder match? Um there's a lot of possibilities there. So or maybe they don't do it. There's nothing saying that they have to do it, but would be interesting. Well, we move on to our world title segment here, which featured Samoa Joe, Swerve, and Hangman. And I loved this. I thought this was aces. I loved Samoa Joe just kind of bookending this whole segment. He's so damn good. So damn good. But we get him essentially saying what Joe said earlier that the ranking system was to ensure only the best victims, which I loved that wording but allow him to continue his reign every week. He also says that uh, the booking took a page out of Texas's playbook and that it made the main event even bigger and dumber as they do in Texas, which popped me tremendously. Uh, He said all of this was going well with the rankings until last week's time limit draw, which I liked. Like He kind of narrowed in on uh, that that was supposed to be a clarifying device and it created an issue instead. Swerve comes out to an enormous pop with Nana, and Swerve just essentially says that, um, you know, Samoa Joe said to submit his resume and look at his damn resume like it's uh on the way to becoming one of the greatest of all time, and that his hunger defines he said hunger defines the greats, and he's hungry for this. Um, I loved that this was there. There was a Whose house chant that Jesus was dressed up in the crowd in <laughs> and participated in, and then Hangman storms from the back, choruses of boos raining down. Um, and he said he wasn't mad. And when you read the weekly Dynamite report, everyone knows that last week was horseshit, which I loved. <laughs> he said uh, the winner of the last match was supposed to be number one contender, which is what Swerve didn't do. So just kind of reiterating that idea. And if we're up to page. It'd be a one-on-one match for the AEW world title. And Paige told Strickland he's done what he's done to Paige. He doesn't deserve another chance. Joe cuts off the shit because he's an adult. (laughs) He says that uh, they're both pinning each other. But he is Samoa Joe and he's going to whip their asses before leaving the ring. Um, I love Joe's punctuation mark at the end of this. Like him just having had enough of their talking. Him just saying, this is what it is. It's going to be a triple threat. I'm going to kick both your asses. It's fine. I thought it was super, super fun. Um, I'll go to you first, Joe. What did you think of just the crowd reactions? I felt really interesting. Like if you had told me these three guys were going to be in a match, I would not think Hangman would be getting the biggest boos of all three of them as recently as what, two months ago, maybe. Um, But he is now. Uh, And just the segment overall, what were your thoughts?
3: It was it was a fun promo, but any promo with Joe is is fun because he has such a unique way of, um. Uh, you know, giving the promo about the match, even while hating to have to do the match. You know, he's like, I don't want to have to do this, but I'm gonna, I'll do it and beat their asses, even though it's unfair to me. I like that he can, you know, put it put it down while promoting it at the same time. Um. Uh, I, I understand why people boo Heyman because Heyman keep coming out there and making kind of a, a weak argument about, you know, Swerve shouldn't get some shot because he didn't win, but like neither did Heyman. And Heyman had lost twice to Swerve, which Swerve, you know, kind of mouthed at him while he was jawing at him. So mm-hmm. I don't Even understand. Swerve also
1: broke into his house and tried to mess with this kid. You know what I mean? Like Swerve doesn't sure. deserve any extra breathing room here. But to your point, that's what's making him an interesting character to me right now, because he feels like a heel, but completely justified in that way, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's to the point of where he's just kind of every, all this consternation over the time of this fever swerve has kind of broken him to this you no know, fringe state of mind where he he's doing things above and beyond what he would normally do. Maybe it's the
2: mustache. I don't know.
1: It's definitely the mustache. I'm so glad you caught that out because there's no way I mean, it's not the mustache.
2: It didn't start until he had the mustache.
1: It's true. It's true. Ryan, Ryan will, will, you,
2: we... uh, sorry, will you test his
3: theory and grow a mustache and see if you become a little bit more evil or a little bit more
2: uh, aggressive? Are you guys sure you want evil running?
1: Bro, the stash. I, didn't, I don't know if I want evil Ryan. I know I want mustache Ryan. Like, I'm positive. I need to see Ryan.
2: Mm. Handlebar? I'm, I'm
3: As to we'll be just like, hey,
1: we'll hey man. I'll okay. be just like, we'll hey,
2: see. I mean, I'll, I'll likely go a while without shaving again, so I'll grow the beard. And maybe I'll just shave everything yeah. but the caterpillars. Get the caterpillar,
1: Get the caterpillar we'll bro. Uh,
2: as for my thoughts on this wonderful segment, I'm with Kate that I like that Joe is the one who ended the segment because for a while there, it could, if this were in other storylines, both in a W and out of a W there's sometimes where the champ or a third wrestler gets lost in the story of the other two, it becomes way less important, but Joe cutting them off saying like, it doesn't matter about you two. This is about me reestablishes that the champ and the belt is the most important thing in this whole feud. Uh, so I really enjoy that. I am I like that Highman came out with his basic, like it is such a heel move to be like, whatever you read, I wasn't mad. They're lying. I wasn't mad at all. Like that is good old fashioned healing. The guy who said, the guy that made Swerve swear stop, yes. because when surf says, you know, ask him what he had to say to me? And the guy in the car goes, what do you have what to say? say? And just it was like, that, Absolutely that, 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 killed that, me as well. That was great. Um, oh, yeah, some three
1: bummer ha- news that I just got. Jeff Hardy looks like he got knocked was out by injured. Sammy yeah, uh, nasty shot to the face from Sammy in a Rampage taped match. So just wanted to break that bummer bit of breaking news right now. Yeah,
2: so I, saw, I saw the video. Body Slam reported it, and then other people have it out there then uh, his bummer. sammy's knee landed right on jeff's head
1: just an unfortunate unfortunate connection um well what
2: it looks like is that jeff they were doing a spot where jeff was reversing the shooting star so jeff put his knees up and whatever right. way sammy landed on jeff's knees his knees he got like, twisted. And his knees came down yeah so it was just an ugly sight it sucks
1: bummer hope what, he's okay what? sending our best to him but back to our main event segment um very entertaining stuff and Joe just uh it's so funny because I don't feel like he shouldn't drop I don't feel like he should drop I don't know if there's ever going to be a time that I feel like Samoa Joe should drop the title so you should probably have a drop into the hottest guy in the company right now and that's hey that's for a revolution <laughs> like he doesn't need this but there's also a few interesting places that Joe can go from that one uh, he could go into a one-on-one program with Hangman. You could make that very interesting. He could revisit what he was doing with Hook. There's a lot of possibilities for Joe coming out of that, assuming he is going to drop. But Ryan, do you think it's worth time, or is this too short of a title reign for you with Samoa Joe? I feel like every title reign with Samoa Joe ending is a bad idea. He's <laughs> just the best. No.
2: So, first of all, Joe is the kind of champ who can have a short title reign because he's so well-established as like a legend that for him it doesn't matter he he needs to he should lose because uh Swerve is about as hot as you could possibly get and as we were talking about with Wardlow earlier you can so easily kill momentum now there's a difference in obviously the wrestler and what got them there Wardlow was relatively unknown and caught fire where Swerve had just been around for a while and had like a groundswell but Still, you can so easily kill a wrestler's momentum by just not capitalizing, especially when they haven't been to the mountaintop yet. Whereas Joe is always going to be Joe. He Like, you, you reach a certain legend status where you don't even need momentum anymore. You just are who you are. So he can lose and turn around. And I, my, I Hangman's a great feud. I just want to see Joe be furious and start killing people in the ring, basically. Just be like, I'm so angry I lost. I'm punishing everyone I can get my hands on. But if you don't, you run the risk of swerve so cooling down for reasons, having just bad booking reasons. Even if the even if him losing isn't bad booking, he could run into bad booking and it could kill him. Whereas if once you have that belt, once you are associated with being a champion, you don't lose that. That's always there for you. It's a little bit easier to to regain your momentum, to regain. Look at hangman. Hangman's had a bunch of stop and starts. But because we know he's championship material, he can always come back.
1: It's true. Being a multi-time champion definitely helps. And Samoa Joe does have the ROH TV title belts and the AW TV title belt under his reign already that had long, healthy reigns. So you don't really need to go back to that well. But Joe, what are your thoughts about the revolution triple threat that we got set up tonight? Do you think it's swerves time? I kind of feel like, to me, the... The move is give it to Swerve because he should have a long raid and then probably drop it to Will Osprey. It all in. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, I I think you kind of stole what I was going to say anyway because I think I'm I'm the same wavelength as you are, where you know Joe doesn't need the title for a long time. We can always raise him up whenever we need to. Uh, Swerve's obviously you know hot right now. Give him the title. Let him run with it for a few months. Um. And then that way, he can also always come back to it later on. So, yeah, I'm with you. Give him the title. Let him have it until Osprey or Adam Cole or whoever else down the line. And then, uh, yeah, he'll always be in your back pocket to put the belt on again whenever you need to.
2: So so I just want to confirm that on this Valentine's Day, the mark order wants to say that we're not usually in favor of a short, short thing. But if it's going to be short, let it be with Samoa Joe.
1: I mean, yes, but I would appreciate it if people just kept that in the context of what we were talking about. As I don't know how, that could, like don't you know how that could be taken out of context. Like I don't know how that could be taken out of context. It's
2: very clear in context.
1: Ryan. I do want to say, yeah, we got we got some chats. Ryan can come and say, I must ask you must ask you a question every episode if you have one. And a lot of people in the chat saying the same thing that, like, it's the right move for Joe to lose, but nobody wants Joe to lose. Like, it's it's one of those because he's just so damn good at this. And it's been it's it was so refreshing to go from such a long winded title reign with uh, MJF into this. Like, it's it's been a really nice palate cleanser because I liked a lot of the MJF stuff, but it it got so long. It got so long. well,
2: I also think that's a reason you almost need Joe to lose. You need to prove that this can be a short title just to keep the possibility alive for whoever wins it. If every time a guy wins a title, he holds it for an extended period of time, you're never going to believe that his early feuds could, could go the other way. So let someone like Joe, who again can take this loss and won't be hurt, let him prove that this title could be handed away at any moment.
1: Yes, especially for reasons other than injuries <laughs> or insane backstage brawls.
2: I like yeah, the idea. Of, reasons.
3: I like the idea of Swerve pinning, Hay- being Hayman for the title. That way, Samoa, like we talked about earlier, Samoa then can go after Hangman and go with that feud. So I think oh that my would God. Work. you cost me the title because you yeah. got pinned is a great. Okay, I think he even alluded that uh, before he left the ring tonight. Like I'm not going to let you guys beat each other and take my belt. I'm going to whip both of your asses
1: he did, and I like where your head's at with that, Joe. I think that could be really fun booking and a really great impetus for Joe to lose his mind on Hangman, and Joe is so technically healed, but he's so over right now that Hangman being cemented as a heel is perfectly fine in this, um, and I think there's a lot of people that want to cheer for Samoa Joe, so uh, I like where you're going with that, and I also liked this segment from Tony Storm, Wet Ink this performance from her uh basically it's getting her tattoo that she had a matching one of with diana Parazu with um she calls diana Parazu, her young girl in this who she helped get into japan she nurtured her from the bosom of her brilliance and suckled at the teat of her talent and essentially what's being done is their matching tattoo has a dagger running through it by the end of this segment Uh, And I love Tony Storm saying, you want the old Tony Storm, you're going to get that, and so much more. Because that could mean I'm going to be the maximum version of who I used to be, or my current self is that, and so much more. I feel like there's a lot of wiggle room there, and I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, And then we get a quick backstage with the just hideous Diana Parazu. I completely understand why everybody was body shaming her. She's gorgeous. Uh, She says, there's a lot of talking. She's gonna keep it short and sweet. Says, I'm gonna break your arm, bitch. Which I loved. Loved the music in this segment. Love how well this was produced. Uh Ryan, we'll start with you. Let's talk some Tony Storm, man. This title reign and this character you, has been some of the best character work in wrestling ever.
2: <laughs> what was it? You sucked on my teeth of talent?
1: Yes. And my nurturing of, of
2: Brilliance. Just mm-hmm like how does she think of these lines and the faces she's making but notice I just want to and I think it's a cool thing the dagger actually doesn't go through the tattoo it's around it yes which I for whatever reason I like that because it makes it like even in the end she can't completely erase what was there and who she was I like there's like because they're gonna have to come back to regular Tony at some point and we've talked about this where like you go back to regular Tony, but every time she faces some adversity, she freaks out and becomes crazy Tony Storm again. Uh, But I also love Deanna's reaction because Deanna's just kind of like. I feel like Deanna is. Everyone else in an Adam Sandler movie in the 90s, <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? Who are you? Why are you so weird? Like he's the or or people from Tommy boy or whatever, like he is the straight man. She is the straight man too. Tony Storm's wacky and she plays it so well, but it still feels serious. Like it still feels like a like a championship feud. And I think
1: that being rooted in the pre-existing relationship is so great. Cause it's like Deanna knows the old her so well and they were so close that like she's not only playing the straight man to this wackadoo, it's because she really knew the other version of Tony Storm. Joe, what are your thoughts on our uh our wet ink performance that we got here tonight?
3: I mean, if there's ever a day to get wet, it would be today, right?
1: Touche. <laughs> Touche. Um,
3: it was now my, my memory could be off, but was this the first of her her, product, her film productions that has spoken word in it? Like where she'd actually talked and wasn't silent?
1: I believe so. I was gonna say I think it this was, like, was the evolution first... of Yeah, and this also... is a silent film, yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I liked the fact that it was um it added the narration and that it also told the relationship of her and diana with the photos in it so it's very old tommy but it also had you know the, the you no know, recent photos of them together through their travels so it was a nice touch um and then yeah like diana just kind of like you know have to share, let you um, let you do this i'm gonna you know, break your arm and win the belt and move on
1: bitch oh. you gotta throw the bitch on the end because it's oh, yeah, so it's great but we got a lot of wonderful people in the chat chiving in saying that they don't want this version of tony storm to ever end uh and also gordon Ramsay, who's here so thank you gordon Ramsay. didn't even know you gordon. were a wrestling fan but well, we've
2: had you know we've had the prime former prime minister of, of england now we have gordon ramsey we're all here. i will say this joe and i talked about this on on the podcast i don't know if we, kate you were here for this or not part of me wants Tony wants Tony Storm win or lose wants her to kind of go back to part of me wants her to go back to being normal with the flashes of old Tony but i think more part bigger part of me wants her to go into like the 60s movie era or like the 50s where she's like doing beach movies and stuff like the Elvis style Elvis movies like i would love to just see her progress in the movie career
1: i feel like if you can have tag titles Mariah May pulling her back to sanity uh, and giving them a tag run could be super super fun but I've been asking for tag titles for like two years so not going to hold my breath <laughs> I'm, hoping but only... now.
3: I'm hoping Mercedes comes in and she can usher that division in so they're working like... on
1: it they sure are I know um, I think I mentioned it here too but Sean had the idea I, I had said like I wish we had tag titles that floated between ROH and AEW he said I think you should throw New Japan strong in that mix and now you have yeah. Rocky Romero in the front office, so big time, yes to that.
2: Punky, Punky Vice. Punky, Punky Vice.
1: The Bucks come out and they're patching soul patches and blood. Covered oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Last week,
2: we know what the soul patches are a callback to, right? No, that is a very sting look.
1: Like oh, okay. It, like, our Sting consultant in the house, who will be painting yes, his bad. face for uh, Revolution. Um, yep, it's happening. Uh, they look ridiculous. Very,
2: it, yeah, but that, like, if you go look, I'll try to find one.
1: No, um, I, now, now that you've said it, you know, I can, yeah. can read it. So I just wanted it. to
2: call that out because it is such a good thing for him.
1: I also am glad that they got rid of the tiny mustaches because it was a funny Vince thing until it wasn't. Like, there's nothing funny about Mystic McMahon band right now. So I'm glad that they got rid of the pencil mustaches that seemed like a reference to him. But we get Nicholas and Matthew, who look just absurd. Um, Nicholas wrestling in his Kangol hat, which stays on for a few seconds before Dante gets the upper hand. Hat goes flying, and Nicholas is so frustrated and has to regroup here. Um, I loved this. Uh, Matthew faking a super kick and hitting Dante with a DTT before get, going to the camera. These guys are good, but ends with a low blow to end all low blows and an EVP trigger for the win. Uh, and supposed match that we get here with Matthew saying that they're undefeated this year and that makes them top unbeatable tag team in AEW. Matthew mockingly putting over top flight and saying that they're number one contenders now even getting their own graphic. Tony Shivani comes to the ring and says Sting is not there due to their heinous acts from before. And Matthew has had enough of the trash talking from Schiavone. Gives them a $1,000 fine for being in breach of contract. And uh, Shivani, not very happy in this moment, but gets saved here by Darby Allen coming down with baseball bats after an EVP trigger gets teased on Shivani. And one of my favorite Darby Allen promos in a very long time, maybe ever. This is not Darby Avant Garde as we're used to getting. This is not Loki Darby. This was really, really good. He says that the Bucks' original mission statement was to change the world. And he says that he begged the Bucks, the Bucks to hire him, but They didn't want to do so, and they instead hired their shit California crew. and takes a shot later at Brandon Cutler, but says, thank God there was an EVP around with a sense of brains. And I absolutely love Matthew and Nicholas being like, oh, Kenny, you must be talking about Kenny. We got a Cody chant tonight. Um, And Alan says, look at the Bucks interview that they did last year saying why they resigned, It was due to money and the easier schedule and all these things about not being around. That mission statement is dead. It talks about the debut episode featuring Brandon Cutler instead of him. The Bucks know how to pull some strings if they want this title match. They're gesturing, but uh, we get Darby with a classic Sting. It's showtime and him putting up st- oversting as someone who has nothing left to lose. And that is a dangerous, dangerous man to be in the rig with. So a lot happened. I thought the match with Top Flight was really fun. I'm obsessed with this version of Nicholas and Matthew. I think they're fantastic EVPs abusing their power here. I honestly loved the first vignette, but didn't know how it was going to go. I'm so in on this now. I think it's such a blast every week. And I love the way that they're playing into it. Love this from Darby. Love a really sincere Darby promo. But we'll start with Joe. Joe, what did you think of this?
3: Yeah, the match was good and solid. I think we've seen this match before with them, and I uh, I really appreciate the little kind of brother brothers brothers tag match. It's almost like the Young Bucks are kind of facing off against a younger, probably a little bit more athletic version of themselves. When they when they go against top flight, but uh as far as their character works, this is this is the best possible way to use them as heels because they do their best work as heels when when they play this these shit eating, you know, egotistical maniacs that they are. I mean, that, that's their, they play that character so well.
1: I love like the good cop bad cop dynamic too. Like it's so fun.
3: <laughs> yeah, the the, the tongue cheek compliments they give and uh i it's just it's fun it's it's kind of like it's part of me kind of says too it's too bad that you know this couldn't have happened when cm punk was still there you know like they couldn't have this would have been the angle that would have came out everything if all all things would have been worked out and so things yeah. explode further um but yeah there's just a lot of fun and then darby's promo i agree like usually darby just yelling wanting to fight and this one had that feed of you know, realism in it, which makes it feel more authentic and organic than some of these other promos. Um, yeah, poor Brandon Cutler just out there catching strays. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was. He did catch some shit. Kind of like Rob. Like, sometimes you just gotta take a shot at the guy when it's easy enough. You know what I... Ryan, what right did you fairness. think of our match and uh, our post-match here?
2: See, here's the thing. Now I gotta stand up for... I wanna stand up for Cutler because you guys... Lumped us together, but in fairness, he is their mouthpiece on Twitter, so he's not taking any shots he hasn't earned. It's true, but I'm you know, unfortunately, you called out a spot Who's that I really wanted to talk mouthpiece.
1: about. Who's our mouthpiece on Twitter?
2: Oh my yeah. god, I am Brandon yeah. Cutler.
1: Yeah, you're
4: the
2: yeah,
1: you are oh you god. are cold spray away, my friend, and uh, goofy... he was my <laughs> f-
2: during the dark and elevation era. He was my favorite villain because he'd run down with that wacky run with both cold sprays like legs kicking out.
1: Um, God bless. But
2: but you called out a spot I wanted to talk about which was the low blow from hell. I don't think I've ever seen that where you like you you send the push guy up and then kick the low blow like that's a really fun low blow.
1: Taz and called that few... out big time too like he was what, it wasn't Yam Bag City, it was something even grander but
2: Yam yeah, Farm City I'm oh, sorry um, that is one where like listen I know a low blow hurts and it's gonna stop you but very rarely do I think it should end a match that's one where I'm like no that, that could work if that legitimately connected because that would have put your testicles into your teeth um, like that was bad so I love that they're wearing the blood-stained outfits. Still, I love that they're they've got the sting uh, goatee. They get those little things really well, like changing the facial hair when they go heel, changing the outfits. If you notice, they don't call themselves the Young Bucks anymore. No, All their Matthew stuff says Nicholas. it, and and their AEW execu- EVPs or executive vice presidents Matthew and Nicholas Jackson. Like they don't. It's a very fun. Like it's not Matthew and Nicholas Jackson the Young Bucks. It's. AEW executive vice president Matthew and Nicholas Jackson. Like it's a very fun presentation and you're right. Darby's in a weird way. Darby is the perfect person to be the first one to feud with this version of the box because Darby is supposed to be the counterculture, the, the anti-establishment guy, the guy who's like a little bit weird and, and does, he you won't catch him in a suit. You won't catch him behind the scenes like that. So he makes sense as the first guy that's going to feud with. The Bucks in their new presidential roles, but they're gonna get so much heat when they beat Sting.
1: Assuming, that they, assuming oh, I- that they are, assuming that they are, because if the titles get vacated, I'll puke. Oh, we uh, had be better. With it. I know it. Sting is way too old school not to let it happen. I think, but I just don't want them to get so caught up in the moment, because um, that would be brutal. That would be brutal. But we have backstage to the lovely Renee Paquette, who's joined by the big, <laughs> <Bang laughs> big, There you go. Uh, and Switchblade Jay White says they have new March gold, but have yet to test out their cohesiveness as a group. Daddy-Ass and Austin Gunn take turns interrupting each other, suggesting a 12-man on Rampage. Everyone does their signature lines. And Taz calls them very annoying people. Oh my God, get this over with as soon as possible. I have no interest in this at all. At all. I'm so over the acclaimed. I'm so bored. I'm so sick of Anthony Bowen's being great at wrestling and then Max Caster being fine at it and cheap shots. And oh my God, a famous from Billy. G- I'm so fucking sick of it. You said this, the- this the- last,
3: last week that I just, if you would have told me this is how we're using Jay White when we brought him, when they brought him into AEW. Like, he was going to just be wasted away on this, you know, three-man and then now 12-man team. I, it's just like, this is not how you do it.
1: I, it sucks because I felt like Bully Club Gold was really catching and then Juice got hurt. And then he did really well in the C2. And I think they're going to win. Like, I think they beat the acclaimed. but this run has been, can I name a defense of theirs outside of when TMDK was there? Who else did they even face? Like I, I don't even, I can't even recall anybody. And I'm a TMDK Homer, so that's why I remember that. But like that's somebody from you New Japan. know, that's not even in your own company. So the fact that I can't really remember any other matches is not very good. Uh, but I do think you probably get them winning. It just does feel like they caught really unfortunate timing with with Juice being out. But I agree with you. Like Jay White has much higher potential than <laughs> than what's being delivered on, but he is the perfect man to lead uh, stable. We know that, right? So hopefully some success. I mean, we here.
2: said it earlier in our rankings discussion. If if you gave them the trios and treated them as dominant and let them beat a lot of other trios teams and like, yes, the guns are like these laughable lackeys, but like make it so that when they're in the ring, they win and, and Jay White is Jay White. So he comes out and just kicks everyone's ass. This could be just as good as holding a singles title. You just have to treat it at that level. And right now, that's not what the trios are.
1: And they used to do that, which is the the bummer. Is like the, the tag titles, at least. The trios have always been kind of weird. But like multi man wrestling felt as important, if not paramount, to singles wrestling when they first started. So a bummer there, but not a bummer. On Wednesday nights when Willow Nightingale rolls around... Because we get her and Sky Blue in a fun match here with Stokely Hathaway on commentary. Really fun spot in this where she cartwheels out of an Irish whip to hit a scoop slam for a quick two count. And Blue responds with a float over dragon sleeper. I love her using the dragon sleeper. I think it's a really fun move for her. But at the end here, we get Blue with the code blue for the pin but Stokely Hathaway. Distracting Miss Aubrey. Long enough for Willow Nightingale to recover and hit that doctor bomb. Don't love faces cheating, but I also don't love faces being idiots. So if somebody gives you an opening, you should probably take it. Willow with the win here, predictably so, but a good match. And this women's division continues to cook. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I'm with you. It, it's tough. You you got it's a fine line to walk to have a face use some cheating, um, but like you said, if they're, I remember. What was it? A couple. Of, it has to be like four years now. Probably just around COVID or before COVID with Bailey in WWE when she was face, and they basically killed her character when she wouldn't take any advantage given to her.
1: No, she had a kendo like, stick she, and was you, like, "I can't use it." Yeah.
2: Yeah, you lost lost face with the fans, so you have to, you know, you have to let your faces look smart and willing to do what it takes to win. The match itself was a lot of fun. uh I I think we should everyone should continue to talk about Sky Blue's growth just been leaps and bounds you know Big there's time. it's something to be said for letting her get reps on tv and match after match because that's how you get better uh willow might be the most lovable wrestler in all of wrestling uh and i hope she punched stokely in the face somewhere in this feud that's about to happen because you clearly they're setting something up and it'll break my heart if it's her that goes with stokely because i want her to punch him in the face
1: no, this is funny because I feel like Chris and Willow are both so easy to cheer for. And so um, a- assuming that one of them is headed heel, I would I would guess it's Chris, but like she also has boots. You know what I mean? But it feels feels like this tag picture is going to be like a, a split situation um, and Stokely being involved probably tells you somebody's going heel on this. So. My guess is it's Chris Datlander. I think that would be really interesting for her as a character, where I feel like Willow has not had enough footing. So keep Willow face. She's more so even that way. And I, I feel like Chris's ring style could adapt to being a heel very, very well in this. But Joe, your thoughts on the match and the direction of the this feud and our thriving women's division here?
3: Yeah, I thought the match was good. I thought Sky, um I thought they flowed pretty well together. Her code blue looked solid tonight. Um, it did. It sometimes was great
4: that,
3: Sometimes that move doesn't always land perfectly, but, I mean, it was solid with, with on Willow tonight. Willow, uh, you know, for the most part, kind of dominated the match, I thought. And uh, I thought Sky sold the hell out of the pounce. Yes.
1: Yes, she did.
3: <laughs> so I've seen some of the matches where Willow's opponents don't sell as well as that on the pounce. And when she flew, you no, know, basically outside the ring almost, uh, that was great. And uh, yeah, than the finish, I was a little, it was a little different for me because I wasn't expecting that distraction win by, by Willow. But uh, thinking about a little bit more about the direction of where this is going to go, I'm having the same belief that it's going to go to a Willow-Stat split where Stat is going to side with Stokely and win at all costs, and then Willow's going to have start having issues with, you know, kind of taking shortcuts to win. And so ultimately it ends up Willow going to lose another friend because, you know, she lost Sky Blue and she loses, you know, Statlander. Um, I think that'll be kind of an interesting story to watch play out.
1: I agree. And it's very nice that we're getting some non-title stories for the gals. But that brings us to our main event. Guys, if you could leave a thumbs up on this video, that would be super cool. It helps people find us in the algorithm. Also, would be awesome if you would leave us a five-star review. Even if you don't listen in audio form, we would very much appreciate it. Keeps us hats in the mix. So, we are looking for that. And we close out with a match that honestly confused the ever-living shit out of me. Orange Cassidy and Matt Taven for some reason. <laughs> I get the alignment of the stables. I don't get why it was Matt Taven, but I will say Matt Taven did really well tonight. Um, in this Texas deathmatch. I had seen Matt Taven at ROH in a death match in a cage against Vincent before, and it was the most entertaining I ever found the guy, so I had high hopes here. An Orange Cassidy in a deathmatch environment is always something that's pretty cool. A lot of fun stuff here, but coming down the end, Orange Cassidy wins by knockout after some brutal action. We get a beach break onto the chair and tacks that are laid out. DDT into the tax, which kind of takes both of them out. Um, chaos erupting from both sides here as Roddy tries to get involved, but Orange Cassidy ultimately wins because can't get back to his feet by the end of 10, which I thought was a good use of that as well. Like the count kind of snuck up on you and kind of snuck up on everybody in the ring. This was really, really fun. Orange Cassidy expanding outside of his wheelhouse is always something that's, to me, uh, a really interesting way to kind of expand character. Um, Ryan, you're a big orange casting mark. We'll start with you on this because he's your favorite.
2: What?
1: You big love orange I, ca- ca- yeah,
2: I do, I love that he got a little heart from Chuck E.T. and he made use of it. That's just, mm-hmm. just that is love, and I love love. Uh, he, I tell you what, his he was bleeding, but his looked bad like there's a difference in the color of blood. I hate to say, and his was dark and that always worries me a little bit more because it almost makes me feel like something real went on there. Uh, Taven's dive headfirst in the table is just... It looked awesome, but part of me is like, why? Like, I guess it's safe, but ow. Um, part of me really hoped that they were going to use the things I have as my background to those hearts as the tacks. Um, because those heart, the, those candy hearts are solid. Like, that would have been a nice...
1: And the visual would know, probably go up and, like... If they did go up, they would probably look like puffs yeah. of smoke. <laughs>
2: exactly. I I just thought it'd be really funny. Um, but it was it was Orange Cassidy. I think if you were to look at the history of AEW, has done the most in terms of like where he started to where he is now. He came in as a comedy wrestler and just kept winning people over by being funny and doing awesome things in the ring. And now he's in a Texas Death Match using thumbtacks as a champion. That's really been one of their best champs in the history of the company. It just—it's incredible his his growth within the company and just the character has evolved too. Like he's not the lazy guy. He he's still kind of lazy, but not nearly to the same extent as he used to be. Uh, And I love uh, the bat not the but the pipe, ch- uh, what's his name? Trent's pipe to the chair of, um, yes, Bennett. That was a nice spot because it's safe, but it just looks awesome. So a big fan.
1: It's Gordon Ramsay in the chat calling out orange bullocks as he's been called in the past by my faves. I will say this title rate has not been much. So putting a memorable match like Ishii last week on collision and this match, um, I felt like was really, really good because it's been kind of a wash in the second reign. I know it wasn't supposed to be his, but it has been his. And they didn't really do much starting to throw these more memorable things that I think is really good. This felt like a real main event. Joe, what do you think on our main event here?
3: It did. I, I, um, I, I still sometimes don't recognize Matt Taving without purple. <laughs> so it's like,
1: Who are you?
3: Yeah. It's, but uh, no, I I, I didn't you know wasn't expecting much from as a main event, but like yeah, they really delivered with all the uh with the tasks and with the tables and the chairs and the pipes and everything you just kinda come to respect with a death match because I it's that stuff kinda came at the back half where it just initially just felt like a no DQ, no countout match. But then yes. they uh really turned up the, the volume toward the end. Uh I th- one spot that I guess Ryan didn't steal yet that um
1: yeah how dare you Both I, spots.
3: I liked when the tavens like when you kind of flipped orange into the DDT um, yes it's was, it was just a different way of of doing a DDT it, just, it just more leverage and it just looked a lot a lot brutal more brutal so uh yeah it's just and going back to you know talking about match last week with eCE I'm talking to Ryan like he's you know, he's almost faked everyone in chaos except for Sue, and Ooh. I so watch Sue the walk-in in and backstage segment with, you know him and like Trent and all of them are there, and she's watching to like you know tell or pick up Trent, and and Orange just says, "Oh, I know what you're doing, Sue. No, I'll I'll see you at Rampage."
1: Yeah, no, I, I love that. That's what that, I want. That needs to happen to make the story complete. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I didn't even know uh, Trent and Riho were friends, but they're close enough to share a lead pipe, so I think that's really cool. Um, oh, so so where some, are you going with that? <laughs> some really, really good stuff uh, at the end there, and I'm intrigued to see what happens with this, what feels like a Trent heel turn, but he didn't do it tonight. I was like, oh, he's got the pipe in the ring with Orange Cassidy. Is it now? Not it's
2: that It's Revolution, baby.
1: Yet. It does feel like it's going to be at Revolution, but... Joe gave us a nice little segue by mentioning chaos, because we're going to flip into news and notes right now. Um, And the first thing we're going to talk about is some front office additions and returns. One being the wonderful Rocky Romero, as reported by the Wrestling Observer and confirmed by Fightful. Um, Rocky Romero has been added to the front office, which means he now works for CMLL, New Japan, and AEW. I maintain one of the coolest legacies in all of wrestling and QT Marshall makes a return as well, not as a TV wrestler, but will be working in a backstage role of some sort. Uh, A lot of people reacting like he was the reason all of the creative was not good for like the past five months of AEW before he left. I think that's probably an overreach, Uh, but very glad because he seemed very well respected and liked backstage. So the fact that they were able to work something else out is, Great to hear, because I know it sounded like a lot of the talent really enjoyed working with him. So if it's more of a trainer role, more of a backstage thing, and he's comfortable with that, that's awesome. But Rocky, one of my favorite humans in wrestling, um, and QT, very well-liked and respected backstage as well. Ryan, you're chomping at the bit to say something over there.
2: I I want to talk about what we are talking about, but Brandon Cutler just tweeted: "Sources are saying that Darby Allen's remarks tonight about an innocent lower-level wrestler weren't received well from talent in the back." One reliable source noted, "It's never a good look to punch down."
1: Well done, Cutler. Well done.
2: Rocky Romero, when as a you guys are going to make fun of me when I say how I phrase this, but I'm going to phrase it anyway. When someone goes back and looks at the history of this era of wrestling, his his legacy is gonna should not be undervalued or underestimated. He has one of the most prominent roles in, in keeping ties of these companies together far beyond on screen and stuff like that. And it's it's guys like him that make things possible, make make Forbidden Door possible, make these CMLL run-ins possible. You know, obviously he's not alone, he's he's uh using contacts and, and he has counterparts, but he's from everything I've read is almost the driving force behind making sure everyone's gets along. Uh Kate, Generally, do you know the answer to this question?
1: Doing the same stuff he's been doing just in an official capacity now. So here's what I know. New Japan, he's been instrumental in an executive role as well as a talent role. CMLL, he was in a talent role and he told me in an interview that part of what he was trying to do was he was like, okay, I have a title. He would actually call the front office and be like, how are tickets looking? Okay, great. And if there weren't enough moving, he would try and do things. And one of the things he wanted to do was get the CML title on AEW television because they have a working relationship, which expanded their relationship and now is leading to what feels like a more formalized CMLL-AEW partnership of some kind. There's clearly a a flow there, right? Uh, And AEW... I I don't think he was working for them outside of a talent role, to my knowledge. Um, but he was, you know, he he was a key contact for Forbidden Door. He's been a key contact for when New Japan Strong has AEW talent coming in. Um, so they might have wanted to officialize it for themselves. Of his, I don't know what his role is. My guess is his role is uh, manager of external facing relationships on the wrestling front. Would would be my guess. So they don't want to lose that aspect and said, Hey, why don't you do that for us on our side? Um, and it'll make the the flow of that go a lot easier. So so I don't I don't know the answer to that question, but that's what I do know about the situation basically.
2: All right. Okay, that was and that was a good because I think a lot of people had that. Like is was he doing this? But it does seem like,
1: you
2: know, again, he has been the most critical player in
1: He's also an MLW champion. And, like he's been yeah. everywhere, yeah.
2: Seems, and it seems to be well respected. So he's one of the most critical in getting and maintaining relationships among companies, which listen, it can't be easy when you're AEW and New Japan to always have things go smoothly because you have different goals and in a way you're competitors, in a way you're not. I mean, because of you do you do operate in different style business and in different markets, but it takes someone who can appreciate both to make it work. QT thing I want to say is. First of all, be I know he's not wrestling, but it would be really funny to see that change too. I just think it would be funny. But he was—he's a—he was very well respected. Apparently, for a long time, he was like Tony's right hand man. So even when you to want to say things were bad, that goes all the way back to when things were as odd as they possibly could be in AEW. He was there through it all, and he—he he runs the wrestling school. He runs a wrestling school. He's a very talented wrestler, like literally like technical wrestler. It doesn't hurt to have someone in there, especially when you have ROH that's bringing guys in. When you have like, yeah, that kind of voice is very helpful. Helpful when you have, you know, young talent that you're looking to develop or anything. That's the kind of guy you need.
1: I would say if he had such a heavy handed creative, he probably could have gotten himself booked as a wrestler. So I'm gonna say maybe he was not as involved in creative no, as I'm, people I, I, are. I'm just saying overreaching too. But Joe, what are your thoughts on these two acquisitions?
3: rocky's i mean both of them are like it kind of makes sense uh rocky's obviously you know he's too in too valuable to not bring in uh especially as you keep growing different into different markets and expanding into different countries um having that kind of that mediator kind of um is is invaluable and qt for all the reasons ryan mentioned uh he's just a good wrestling mind and you know having him step away for a little bit and do some things on his own uh, go down to Mexico and wrestle you know kind of get that itch and kind of scratch it for wrestling everything Um, and then you know being open to coming back and to to kind of help behind the scenes I think that's a big win for AEW going forward Uh, you know maybe he can do backstage role maybe he can do kind of an on-camera role maybe as like a uh you know as a uh i don't want to say general manager but some kind of like you know office official you know that comes out for maybe rh or something you know like sure. i like still have been doing um that could be a lot of fun or he could come back to mcq tv office wondering where everyone went <laughs> it's like hobbs is gone you no, know, oh. harvey's gone
1: harvey right, he's got a knife yeah things have gone awry there for sure for sure. Well, some exciting developments in the front office and some exciting on-screen developments as well. We talked about Will Ospreay coming in to face Kenosuke Takeshita at Revolution, but it was reported by Fightful Select that Okada is expected in AEW and expected to sign his contract very soon. He was in talks with WWE as well, but they did not proceed very far. AEW is pretty confident they had him, and it sounds like that they've reached an agreement. Um, New Japan just bleeding some of their top guys out here, but Okada coming into AEW seems like a hell of a get for them. Uh, He's great. A lot of people don't realize he's only 36 because he's accomplished so much already. He's literally my age and Ryan's age, I think. Um, I I mean, just the top guy in Japan. Love this because it also means he'll probably still be able to work Japan a bunch, but um, very exciting to have him on the way in. Him, Mercedes, Osprey does feel like March is lining up to be a monster month for AEW debuts and pops. Uh, Joe, we'll start with you first here. Okada coming in. Do you have any dream matches off the bat? And did you think he was going to end up in AEW? Or did you think it was 50-50? Did you have expectations around this? What were your thoughts? I,
3: I thought he was going to end up in AEW for similar reasons that Osprey ended up in AEW. As far as you know, both living overseas and having a more flexible schedule and the ability to wrestle outside of AEW promotion, uh, I think that all plays a big factor and in, uh, in probably why he chose to sign for AEW or if it looks that way. As far as dream matches, um, I mean, I feel like he's had a lot of the big dream matches that I would have thought of already. Sure. You know, whether it's like Danielson or whoever, but. Uh, I think there's just a lot of interesting possibilities with him wrestling, maybe some of the younger guys in AEW to help build them up uh, and kind of get them more exposure. I think that's another area where he'll he'll be very uh, valuable.
1: For sure. And what was kind of fun was the New Japan creative that he had was he was kind of a heel dickhead to those younger guys. So it'll be interesting to see what creative carries over um but a huge huge win for AEW to get that guy in this promotion. Ryan, any other thoughts on Okada? Any dream matches kicking around in your head?
2: I mean, it's really sad that they don't have like, a good developmental brand for him to go do first.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think that's need why he's acclimated.
2: Uh, I think that's what you know why he should have went to WWE. Uh no, I mean it, WWE would have been awesome because there's a ton of great matches there. AEW is awesome because there's a ton of great matches here. The Difference obviously is story. He's able to walk into W uh, AEW, already established, stick with who he is. His lineage matters a little bit more in AEW than it would in WWE. But obviously, not
1: there. You would have the leader of the, chaos and the founder of chaos. Like, but, but yes, it, it's much. There's WWE is getting better than at than it. AEW.
2: Yeah, yeah WWE is getting better at it, but they're still slow to acknowledge that level of the past stuff so they might have done it they might not have but i mean i still think he would have been a star there that's not a knock i, I think he would have been a star either company he goes to i obviously the big thing is that it'll, it'll allow him to work new japan occasionally when he wants to and i think that's huge because there's gonna be someone who fight like i think we talked about it saturday and uh, i'm not saying it's a good thing to lose all your talent it's not it sucks but guy step up, we're seeing it already. Well, whoever steps up into the Okada role, it'll be fun that he can come back and kind yes. of pass the torch, take that shot from give that guy that chance. Whereas if you go to the WWE, not even a knock on him, just they don't have a relationship. At this time, it doesn't look like he'd be able to do that. Now maybe down the road he would have, you never know how relationships change, but I just think that's a really cool future thing. Whoever manages to beat the next Okada can still wrestle Okada. So that's For fun. sure.
1: I think the, the only tricky thing is there is I I think that was lined up to be Will Ospreay and now Will Ospreay has gone. So they definitely have a rebuilding period to go through in New Japan. You're seeing some really cool stuff with Bullet Club. You're seeing some good stuff with Zach, but um, they've got work to do because it doesn't feel like Sonata's that guy. It doesn't feel like they have the obvious handoff. So we're going to have to see what happens in New Japan Worlds. But speaking of New Japan, That was a pay-per-view this past week that did feature AEW talent and more importantly, incoming AEW talent from New Japan. It was Will Ospreay's last match, Okada's last real match against Tanahashi, which was a very uh, emotional, it wasn't the greatest in-ring match that the two of them have ever had, but they've had such a long storied rivalry from the beginning of, um, my dog knocking out my white girl light. Uh, Yep, you're laying on the power cord, girl. (laughs) Tanahashi was Okada before Okada got there, right? Um, So that was a really just, like, beautiful moment and match. You had Brian Danielson versus ESJ, which I obviously hated, as Ryan posted on our account. Um jk it was like the greatest tactical match of all time
2: i it the text i got like it was like 30 of them i hate this this is so boring why are just they doing this
1: ryan at four in the morning like oh cool another submission hold oh wow an arm bar who gives a fuck um <laughs> it was a phenomenal match and a couple of things of note uh zsj won and it did seem like they're setting up a third match leaving that program open a two out of three falls match which i think could be very fun also note brian danielson wrestling without an eye patch Mentioned in his promo after the match. Eye is fully healed. Arm is fully healed. He was at full strength against ESJ, which was a nice piece of the story, but also just nice to see Brian Danielson wrestling with his full depth perception again is a refreshing thing to see. So obviously an incredible match um, for someone who's as big into technical wrestling as I am. Extremely well-received, I think, across the board. Uh, And then uh, Osprey's last match was... haven't seen a cage match in new japan in 20 years this was over an hour long war games math bloodbath tons of story in it though really really good beautiful send off for will osprey as okada's is going to be in a weird what the fuck multi-man match i don't know why they're bothering um but emotional stuff as a chapter closes in new japan really good signs from the AEW products perspective as it's going to get injected with some really really great stuff um as far as incoming free agents go. So, well, that about wraps us up. There were some other notes. Um, oh no, there is one that is worth mentioning here. I was going to say Scott Demore being released from TNA probably would have affected AEW a little bit more in the past than it does now because there's not really an existing relationship right now, but Shane Taylor also getting signed. He's been working ROH as a freelancer for a while, confirmed by Fightful Select that he is signed, which is great. Um, Shane Taylor is such a great promo. So much fun in the ring. You can snap a stable together with him in no time with Shane Taylor promotions right now. It's just him and Lee Moriarty, but I to see where that goes and Shane Taylor's just a, a fantastic talent all around. I'll leave it to you guys to jump in with anything that you might want to add about Shane.
3: No, I hope they, they, I hope they flush out Shane Taylor promotions a little bit more in our and give him a, a full, a, a stable again.
1: Yes. I yeah. do too. And I think the expansion of that is probably something that required a contract to commit to. <laughs> any thoughts? Yeah, he, Ryan? he
2: is the, he is, again, he is my prototype for how a six man should run. Um, but even if it's just him and, and Lee Moriarty and they don't even tag, just letting him be prominent on any program is a win because he's got, he just has that something. I don't know what you call it, but he has that something when he, when he goes out there he's believable he's fun and he's different and all that really works well
1: he is all of those things i'm intrigued to see too because they they could be a promotion that floats i think back and forth between roh and aew like i think there's a lot of really fun possibilities and we talked about it before this trio's division is not looking great so forming shay taylor promotions properly would be great a couple people in the chat calling out the Danielson ZSJ post show or post match scrum stuff. They didn't have really a scrum. They just do these really organic. Hey, you just wrestled. Give us a promo things. Um, would recommend looking up both of them. Danielson had some really great stuff to say about ZSJ. but if you want to hear someone talk extremely authentically about the legacy of Brian Danielson, DSJ did a really nice job in that one after um, things that even me, a stand of both competitors didn't know. So feel free to check those out. But that's not all you should be checking out. You should be checking out the Mark Order Podcast and our t-shirts at prowrestlingtees.com. Four designs there for you, all featuring our beautiful, wonderful, lovely logo in various sizes in various, not shapes, but I guess shapes. One is just the written text, but what is the full logo? You've got the double-sided on the far right there. That one is my favorite. Um, and another double-sided with just the mark order logo um, or mark order text there in the middle if you want to support us and if you don't uh, I'll bring it back because it's been a while I'll just tell you that you don't support women as I am a woman on this podcast and this will go to support this podcast ergo you would be supporting women so if you hate women sure don't get a shirt but if you care about your mom go order (laughs) Mark Order Podcast shirt. We'll also remind you to follow us on social media as well at Mark Order Pod on socials. Ryan is over there tweeting. We also post about our show and certain developments throughout the week. Joe's working on some reels for us, which has been really, really nice. Um, so you can catch snippets of the show if there's anything that you missed and you don't want to go search through two plus hours of our content. We'll have some of the highlights for you on our social media as well. But these fellows got their own things to plug in. We're going to start with Asian Joe. Rocking cereals. Rocking the social media. Being Asian Joe. Being Asian.
3: Thank you for using <laughs> my my driver's license name. I appreciate You're that. You're
1: welcome. Of course, um, of course. Very respectful. I wouldn't want to be disrespectful.
3: Yeah, yeah. Social media at underscore Asian Joe. And my social media profiles. Um, there's a link to my serial review blog. I did one last weekend, I think it was. So feel free to read that. Otherwise here on Wednesday night and Saturday nights when we have collisions for the Collider cast watch along.
1: We do the Collider cast, not this Saturday, because there is no collision. So we would just be casting and not having anything to watch along to. So we're gonna skip it this week, but usually on Saturdays you can catch the watch along, which is a fun format. It's different than what we do here. Uh, different rotating cast of characters. To come on and hang out with us. But Ryan, where can the good people find you?
2: Well, like you said, you can find me on all our socials at Mark Order Pod. And then you can follow me on uh, on my history blog, uh hereforhistory.com or on Twitter at, at underscore here for history.
1: There you go. And I am now at Miss Kate Fabe on all socials. I flipped my Instagram handle over. So you can follow me at Miss Kate Fabe on social media. You can catch me on Fightful. On Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays on the main channel. Reviewing NXT, ROH, and SmackDown. Fightful Select on Mondays. Every so often on Fightful Overbooked (laughs) Sundays. And Wednesdays here in the Mark Order whenever I can be. Give us a follow. We appreciate it. And we hope you have a wonderful night. Did I give Ryan enough time to cue up the outro? It doesn't seem like I did. I forgot So I'm just going to ramble a little bit longer. Heyo! Nailed it! We're killing it!
4: The Markwater Podcast.
2: We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.